0: Welcome to the 13th episode of Megaton Marathon. This is a game-by-game game journey through the Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games. I am Paul M. Davis, and who am I here with?
1: It's me, Brian <laughs> Hey, and I'm Evan Noggle again.
2: Hello, and I'm Chris. Uh, We're with Y on some parts of the internet, testing for this episode.
3: Welcome, Chris. It's so nice to have you here. Well, thank you. I
2: appreciate that.
0: So uh, we're starting off with a new game here. Uh, we're going to be doing a uh, Strange Journey, which was uh, released in the United States for the Nintendo DS in uh, 2010. This is a pretty interesting game for a number of reasons. Uh, early on, when it started off development, uh, they had planned on naming it uh, Shimagami Tensei Four, but uh, later in the game's development, decided not to do that, uh, partially because they chose to set it in Antarctica rather than Tokyo, which uh, this was the first SMT game to not take place in Tokyo. Um, they made this decision because they were uh, reaching out for more of a Western and international audience with this one.
2: Yeah, I didn't realize um, it was a rule that if it's a numbered SMT game, it has to be set in apocalyptic Tokyo.
0: I think that's something they decided on the fly, and then they retroactively decided that was a justification but i could be wrong so wait antarctica there was an antarctica was involved in this game i didn't i thought they were in
3: space the entire time are they not in space am i do i have a complete misunderstanding of how this game is working <laughs> um, yeah yes <laughs> okay we'll get into I it i am apparently a very unobservant motherfucker <laughs>
0: Yeah, it is uh, It is ostensibly at least taking place in Antarctica. Um, so you can also see uh, this influence in um, a few of the different elements. Uh, you can see it in uh, the fact that there's a more diverse cast than like your general uh, anime uh, race. Um, there uh, is Commander Gore. Who's your boss and um he's a black guy and crewman uh jimenez who's uh, latino and uh another one of your crew members is a russian woman so uh you could tell that they were kind of trying to uh reach out to a broader audience as much as possible is it
3: that they're reaching out for a larger audience or is that they're emulating specifically 90s hollywood
2: movies
1: <laughs> <laughs> there does seem to be a lot of that yeah I was kind
2: of curious if your main character, your player character, being American, was a localization change. Though I'm kind of guessing it's not. I assume it's like that in the original game too.
0: I read a couple uh, interviews with the development team, and they said specifically that they were they were like looking for like more of a Western and international audience with this game, and that was a definite consideration in making some of these decisions. Um, And also along those lines, uh, the game like takes. A fair amount of inspiration from, like, you know, not only 90s action movies, like you're saying, Brian, but also kind of like classic sci-fi, classic American sci-fi movies like The Thing and Alien. Uh, You can definitely see those influences, at least in the setup to this game. Um, Not only the Antarctica or, you know, if you prefer, in space (laughs) setting. And then also uh, another interesting element is uh, that Strange Journey was co-developed by Atlas, uh, by uh, a lot of your uh, you know, kind of canonical SMT uh, staff like uh, Kazuma Kaneko uh, and other members. But as well as Atlas, they also had the uh, Etrian Odyssey team uh, working on it. And anybody who's played any of the Etrian Odyssey games can see that just from the interface, because other than like the map creating elements, which are a really major part of Etrian Odyssey, um, the uh, interface of Strange Journey is, you know, pretty much obviously and clearly built in the uh, Etrian Odyssey engine. In the uh, respect that it's all in a first person dungeon You've got a uh, map that is populated as you explore it on the bottom half of the – on the bottom screen of the DS and uh, just another – a number of like menu and other kind of interface elements.
1: So the interesting thing about that is like I had played the first Etrian Odyssey game maybe a couple of months before playing this for the first time. and I guess just to go into my history with this game, uh, I think I mentioned this on our first episode, but this was my first – got my Tensei game, my first Megaton game. And even though I had already played all of Etrian Odyssey, everything about this was so weird and bizarre and just totally new to me that I didn't pick up on any of that. Because I mm-hmm. spent the entire time being overwhelmed by all these strange systems.
2: <laughs> yeah. it's interesting. Uh, yeah, it is kind of interesting. This is like a, a bit of a borrowing back, I think, because the Etrian Odyssey series, from what I understand... Is kind of based on that experience that a lot of, well, specifically Japanese gamers have with, like, the SMT series and, uh, like, other RPGs that were influenced by wizardry and stuff of, like, sitting down and drawing out your own maps to navigate these complicated dungeons. And, like, Etrian Odyssey is specifically designed to replicate that experience.
1: Yeah, and this definitely plays like the other Megaton games we have. Uh, we've played, but it has that same core loop that you have in the Etrian games where you're going into a sector, you're getting items, then you're going back to your ship, and like you're constantly cycling back to your ship every once in a while. And that's definitely more of a trademark of the Etrian games than the uh, Megaton games.
2: Yeah, I- I'm not sure what led you to play this, but I think the reason I picked it up as one of my 1st SMT games was uh, Jeremy Parrish was like, he loves the Etrian Odyssey games and was pitching it really hard on One Up back around the time it came out. I'm not sure if anyone else remembers that, but I think it was what made me pick it up.
1: Huh? Yeah, for me it was um, the something awful was really big on Etrian Odyssey, and I played the first one and I was like, "Wow, this is great! I want to play something else that's like Etrian Odyssey." And then I just saw this and I saw this in the GameStop, and I looked at the back of it and I was like, "I have no idea what Shin Megami Tensei is, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this this looks like Etrian Odyssey. I'm gonna I, I want to do another dungeon crawler."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I had been hearing the rumblings about Persona and had, ju- had picked it up but hadn't beaten Persona 4 yet, but I knew that it was part of a series called Shimagami Tensei, and this was also the first other one of those I played, too.
1: Well, it's interesting you mentioned per- uh, Persona 4 because I, I got this right when Giant Bomb was starting their Persona 4 Endurance run, so the entire time I'm playing, I'm also watching their daily episodes go up, and I, I'm learning a lot about the, the Mega Ten mechanics from them playing their game and me going back to mine, and it was really mm-hmm. cool.
2: It is kind of funny that these were, that they're so close together, specifically for us American players, because those two games are so drastically different. Oh, yeah. They share extremely, mechanically they kind of share elements, but, like, thematically, theme-wise, setting-wise, no, there's, like, nothing between them.
3: There's, actually, there's one thing I wanted to add uh, on the movie note. There is another movie that's specifically uh, called out, and that's Damnation Alley as being an Ad- influence. And I've never seen that or even heard of it, honestly.
0: Damnation Alley, it was a 70s sci-fi movie. It takes place after a nuclear war, like many 70s sci-fi movies. Um, And it's basically this group of people who are uh, trucking in one of the uh, Landmaster, like giant all-terrain vehicle... Not the tanks from Star Fox. Yeah, not the Landmaster from Star Fox, but, like, this weird, like, um, tank that's actually based on, like, a real-life machine that uh, is this 18-wheel kind of, like, I don't know, tank van that they drive around across the country. They drive across the country on, um, and apparently they go to battle with uh, giant bugs while they're doing it, so... That's about all I really took away from it. Oh, wow. I At think maximum. I'm going to have to watch that before we do our next episode. Yeah. I'm kind of curious about it now.
3: Uh, gosh dang it, guys. We're, we're going to do a movie special. <laughs> it's on <not> the <a> special. <laughs> anyway. Um... So mechanics, let's get into this. So yeah, if you've played an Etrian Odyssey game, that's the shortcut for understanding what this game is like. I've never played an Etrian Odyssey game, so let's uh, let's talk about it. You got a you got a base. It's your basically your spaceship. Um, from your spaceship, you can heal. There's your shop. There's your uh, doctor. Um, uh, you can buy items there. In this game, unlike other games, you are collecting materials to craft items that the supplies to your your standard weapons you have a gun you have a sword um you have uh armor uh and you also have a new kind of item called a sub app which plug into your demonica the sub app is one of the more interesting and novel new additions to mechanics uh that uh strange journey adds And this is basically a way to manipulate the game's systems to basically skip the parts that you find annoying. You want to install a sub-app that lets you talk to demons on a full moon just because you don't like how that restricts your play? Go ahead. It'll cost you money and resources. That's it. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) No, guys, guys, seriously, there's, like, really long silences. I mean, yeah, I said that in the chat yeah i don't know what would you do uh my browser so uh let's uh, let's just start. Does anyone have any comments about demon sub apps?
1: They're oh. really cool
2: yeah I was just gonna say that uh like if you're not don't want to use the ones that like change how the game works, you can also just use some to give you more money or items after battle and stuff. They can just boost stuff you were already getting, which is nice yeah, yeah.
3: and the and the ones that are really manipulating like feel like they're manipulating the game's source code co- cost a lot more money.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the first one I really saved up for, and it was. It, it required a ton of money, but I, I saved up for the one that lets you uh, make a mistake when you're doing demon negotiation. And oh, well, that's great. That is yeah. an
2: essential app. It is one of the. It does make the game quite a bit easier, yeah. Because it is so easy to fuck up
3: demon negotiations. We'll get there, but Jesus. Like, it's. <laughs> so, I would say it's probably my favorite written demon negotiations of the series so far.
2: Oh, I love these,
3: yeah. Yeah, the Persona 1 ones are charming, but it didn't really feel like I was actively engaging with the demon's personality. Mm -hmm. And it actually feels like, during these conversations, I have to take that into consideration.
1: Oh, definitely. And and the first time you meet a demon of a new personality type, it'll tell that to you. It's like, oh, you've never encountered a demon that talks like this before.
3: Oh, that's what that means. Okay. Yeah, so like,
1: the first time you run into one of the Jack brothers, uh... They, they're all like real childish and excitable, so like you you have to go along with their kind of like fun little fantasies. If you get too serious or too boring with them, they'll get angry at you. Yeah, which is
3: it's awesome. it, it's okay. I guess let's just skip to demon negotiations now since we're talking about it. So real quick to explain how this works: um, you're in battle. This is basically your turn. Uh, you can uh, fight, talk, or run. And if you choose to fight, then you put in the inputs for everybody. If you choose to talk, you uh, pick the demon. Um, It'll tell you uh, how your alignment matches up with them. Um, if they're neutral, it says this demon doesn't seem to care about your alignment. Uh, or actually, who's playing neutral? Oh, that's me. So, are you getting um, are you getting like a, a perfect harmony message when you meet neutral demons?
1: Yeah, if, if it's neutral, they'll say like this demon doesn't care about, or it'll say like this demon doesn't care about your alignments. If they're uh, law or chaos, it'll say um, this demon is willing to overlook the difference in your alignment.
3: Okay, so I never get that message. Uh, I've never seen that. Oh, okay.
2: Interesting. No, I, haven't,
0: I haven't seen that either. Yeah,
2: yeah I, I guess that's I didn't only because I was also. I guess I've been playing neutral so far too. So yeah, I have been getting that message myself. I was about to ask Chris. That's good.
3: Um, so uh, yeah, so uh, you pick the demon. You can uh, pick any type of demon. So you're not just choosing types like it, uh, like an SMT one where there are just types of demons on the field if you fuck up demon conversation with one of the demons of a type you can just go to the other one and they will act as if nothing's happened Mm -hmm. so you kind of can get a second chance if there are two demons that you're trying to recruit in the same party
1: yeah, and it's kind of the best of both worlds because, like, in Persona 1, if you talk to a demon that you had in your party, that one demon would go away, but the rest would still be there. The uh-huh. way it works now is you talk to one demon, it doesn't make the rest of them angry at you, but if you have one demon in your party, the encounter's over. You talk yeah. to them, they'll they'll do something, and they're just over.
3: And that's so nice to do in level areas that you've already out-leveled.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And it really helps deal with, like, there are some demons, in, and we'll get into it a little bit in probably uh, the second sector, but um, there are some real pain-in-the-dick demons in this game.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, God, the one that already comes to mind is that asshole that steals your maca.
1: Yep. Uh, also, the only demon uh, that you encounter in the early game, that we've encountered so far, that has uh, visible genitalia. <laughs> <laughs>
2: There, there is kind of this uh, weird thing later on in the game. You get introduced to the hidden demons that are invisible, and you can reveal them with like an app, like an, one of the specific sub apps. And unfortunately, you can never talk to those, which makes those encounters a little bit annoying.
0: Are you talking about the demons that um, are they turn up and they look like a Florma? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking... The ones that are raised. Yeah, sp- I think those. I've I've come across across those in this play, so I don't well... think they are that late in the game. I think yeah, what yeah, he's you talking about run into is, them by the end of boots, or booties. Yeah,
1: I think he's talking about the ones where like you see a circle on your map, and then you go to that circle, you hit a button, and then you get a special encounter. Yeah, oh, right. so
2: far you should have run into one that's a chupacabra and one that's a giant foot, and like you can't talk <laughs> right. to those guys.
1: So one thing that does help some of those encounters is that every once in a while they'll bring a regular demon in with them, mm. and uh, you can talk to those guys in the encounter. Like the chupacabra usually shows up with some, uh, not Jack Frost, the uh, pyro one.
2: Pyro Jack. Pyro Jack.
1: Pyro Jack, yeah.
2: Yeah. And that annoyed me because, like, I mean, I want to chupacabra on my team.
1: I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it would have been cool. I want to party with Pyro Jack. He sounds like a good time.
1: Oh, uh, we didn't have this in the notes, but another really cool thing about this game is the way the um, items work. Uh, where you build a – so it's kind of like Monster Hunter, where you go out, you kill so much of a certain demon in order for it to drop certain items that you can then use to craft armor, weapons, uh, apps, that kind of thing. And you get those items either by – sometimes they'll just give them to you when you negotiate with them. Sometimes uh, they they drop them when you kill them. And like the Chupacabras, like you kill five of them and you get a weapon – you get a piece of armor that helps you with the next boss fight. And there's usually something like that where there's a special demon or a demon somewhere on the map uh, that you basically farm in order to get really good gear for the next boss, which is a really cool mechanic.
3: I had no idea. I guess that makes sense. I don't. I, I'm an anti-farming individual, so if I don't have to
2: farm, I won't.
3: And that's oh, the nice thing I'm about good. these special
1: encounters, is because like you don't have to fight them. Like once I had my five, uh, my five chupacabra skins, I just it's like ah no, I'm not. I'm not going to fight these guys.
2: A lot of times those guys will kind of be like experienced pinatas, too. They'll like give you a little bit more than some of the other demon encounters you'll run into, too. Yep. I like that term, uh, experience, uh, experience pinata. <laughs> the the pinatas uh, should be a familiar concept to anyone who's played MMOs for any <laughs> period of time. So, uh, okay, so
3: we actually didn't finish talking about demon negotiation. So you pick a demon... Uh, you enter negotiation they will ask you a question um, uh, let's just name some that we all remember off the top of your head um, why did you leave earth um, would, do you? Uh, why are you talking to me um, do you think I'm pretty I don't uh, remember any
2: other interesting ones one of the Jack Frost ones is um, oh no if uh, you're talking to me you must be a kidnapper <laughs> That's a good one.
3: Would you lie to me is one that comes to mind comes to mind. Um and then there's uh oh I just had another one. Oh, what's your uh what's what's up with your clothes? Yeah. That one comes up a lot, I think.
1: I'm a yeah. fan of
0: what sort of fruit do you think I am.
3: Oh man, I haven't seen that yet. That's awesome. That's I like the the ones thing where we... they're
0: like uh I, I just like the ones where they're like uh you're boring later. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so this is the only this is the only game where I feel a legit sad that I'm only able to talk to one type of demon. Cuz like I know there's a ton of interesting conversation stuff that that would happen if I talked to the law heroes.
1: So uh, I thought I thought anyone could talk to neutral demons.
3: I can. But I, yeah, but it's just okay. I try not it I thought it would be easier to fuse a neutral demon into a chaos demon, but it's proving relatively difficult so far. Mm.
1: So apparently the way that works is that the, the fusion isn't really based on alignment so much as it's based on what family the demon's in and what rank it is within the family uh it's it's actually like full on like persona three four s m t four style fusion where you fuse two demons of certain of a certain rank and then it results in a demon of the next rank if you fuse them correctly and so like it, it's kind of a, it's kind of up to chance as to whether or not the next demon will be the same alignment as the previous one
2: but yeah it does uh it I remember when I when I first played this, like, I wish every monster-catching game worked like this, because you get such a strong sense of the personalities of these little guys you're going to hang out with, and, like, I really love that. Like, I, that adds so much to the game. And instead of just having them be random, like, personality-less mooks in your party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so uh, you successfully answer. You gotta successfully
3: answer two questions. If you fail it once, there's a small dice roll chance that the demon will say, "I'll overlook this one for now and continue talking to you." Then they then you know there's a lot of personality in these little just bits of lines you get. So how how defined are these personalities? Like so, if all all demons of the same type, do they kind of have the same dialogue pool? Is that the deal, or is it is it
2: more like uh, randomize than that. It's not defined by. Spe- okay. I think uh, certain families of demons have certain dialogue pools that they pull from, mm-hmm.
0: specifically.
2: Uh, and ev- every time you run into a specific demon, that demon always pulls from its. Uh, like, its species dialogue pool, which okay, is part so of a family associated, and, like, each species is associated with a family. And, like, families have qu- certain
3: questions that they all like to ask. I get it, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: I think all of them will do that thing where they'll sometimes, like, challenge you to a uh, a, st- a statistic contest. Oh, yeah. They,
3: they, they'll, they'll be, they, so there's points where, like, the demons will just say... Um, I want to test your. I want to test your strength. Surely I'm stronger. And then you say, "Okay." And then the demon's like, "Oh, you're you're way stronger. So, all right, I'm your demon now."
2: Yeah, I think only certain families will give you certain challenges, but mm-hmm.
3: that
1: doesn't that pop up sense. pretty frequently. I, um, I like the one where they challenge you to a race, and it, it, if it's a demon that's more agile than you, they'll and you say no, they'll be like, huh, "Yeah, that's smart. You, you're so old and fat; like you could never keep up <laughs> with me." <laughs> So, uh, and
3: then uh, once you do that, you uh, you have the standard screen, what do you want, be my demon, give me money, give me items, go away. Um, I think those
2: are the options, right? Yeah. I never have actually clicked anything except be my demon. Uh, <laughs> the maca they get. And the items they give you are pretty much just what you'd get for beating them anyway. Like yeah. it's like you wouldn't want to spend the time to talk to them if you were just yeah. choosing those options.
3: Yeah, there's no there's no reason to waste your time conversing because the conver- conversation is hard. It's not the easy option. Yeah, um, it's much easier to
2: just pound them into submission. I, I think other than that, like one of the spe- one of the specific questions that always stands out to me is when they ask you like, humans have destroyed the earth. How do you think they should fix it? And I'm like, that's. A much deeper question than I'm prepared to, from
3: <laughs>
1: like
2: a random one-off encounter. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm, I was telling you guys,
3: SMT makes me feel icky. Like it does. It makes me question things sometimes. <laughs> it's yeah, like, I'm can... ju- I just I'm well, just playing video games. SMT,
1: come on. <laughs> Thinking on the negotiation system itself. Like no matter what alignment you play as, you're you're manipulative as hell. Like un- unless you're oh, yeah. re- unless you're role playing, like I'm only going to give honest answers. It's like no, you're telling these demons what you think they want to hear, so that you can exploit them, have them die for you, and then sacrifice them to make other demons. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I, it's really right. <laughs> I think sounds about right. I think your most generous you could think of it as a politeness simulator, but generally <laughs> you're just telling people like you seem like you're being pretty manipulative in this situation.
3: So it's so then we're still not done. So you click be my demon. And then the demon asks you for something. So I've never had the demon only ask me for one thing. It's always been at least two to five items that they ask for before they're finally satisfied.
2: Is three the average? I feel like three's the average. Three I feel like feels like either. the
3: average, yes. But I've had it be less than three a few times.
2: I think the more powerful they are, the more... There are more they'll ask you for, because as you... Okay, this is me, like, stretching back in my memory here, but as you get later in the game, these nego- this step will get longer. They'll ask for more.
3: Ah, okay. Because, man, it's a, sometimes it feels like they ask for a lot, but I oh, yeah, that's definitely. the name of the game.
1: I, I think it might have to do with your relative level, because I've had demons open the negotiation with... Who do you think you are? Trying to recruit a higher level demon like me, mm-hmm. and then it's like you're you're going to have to show me you're willing, and then we'd ask for like five things.
3: Oh my god! Yeah, yeah so I think that's it. I have a fucking so when we, when uh, you're in the second sector, there's the there's mm-hmm. that linane today uh, demon. It's Mm -hmm. like this – she's like floating in a long black purplish dress Oh, yeah. Uh, She's resting on her hair and
2: messing with metal thingies in her hands. Yeah,
3: yeah. So I really wanted to recruit her Uh, and I spent so many tries. It took so many tries to get through a conversation where I got both questions right and then I finally did and I said, I want you to be my demon. And then she's like, OK, I'm going to need something first and then she takes like all of my shit and then finally she's like, all right, now let me size you up. And she's like, oh, you're much too low level. See you later. <laughs> I never felt that. That's the worst SMT uh, strange journey. Specifically, has kicked me in the shin so far.
2: Yeah, yeah. You can't do a thing where if your party's full, they'll be like, "Oh, your party's full. I can't join you." And then just next time you run into that demon, you talk to them; they'll automatically join you. Oh, that's and cool. It doesn't apply to level up stuff, though. I think like if the, if they say no because of your your lower level that flag isn't tripped of that where they'll automatically join you later on
1: and i think there's always a chance that a demon will say no because i've had demons lower level than me like go through the negotiation and be like actually you're a creepy old man bye oh, yeah
3: yeah they, they they have they still have free will it's pretty it's funny like there's always that chance that something will go wrong that's
2: smt
1: mm-hmm. yep and
2: anyway i mean comparing it to like I don't know. I mean, comparing it to, like, a Pokeball or something is the first one I think of. Like, I just find this much more interesting. It's like, that's just rolling... You're just rolling a dice there. Like, at least you got some influence on this, and it's more fun and interesting. So, um, moving on, I guess
3: stats is a good next thing to talk about, because we already mentioned stats. Uh, this game, uh, you don't assign them. They just, uh, they're applied. Uh, it takes a lot of pressure off. Uh, your demons have stats, and levels, and, uh... It honestly seems like the demons level up like pretty normally. Do they? Does it? Is there a pretty hard cap at some point, where it's like, okay, now they're not going to earn any levels because
2: the experience curve is too strong.
3: I, I don't think, think there after is. they
2: give you their source, they're typically like the step from when you – that you get their source, which is when they learn their last ability. From there to the next level is usually a lot of XP. Okay. because gotcha. I've, I've
3: leveled up a few demons past their source, and it didn't seem to take too long. But I've also not ever... I'm still... My, my demons are still a relatively good level for what my character is, so I haven't upgraded a ton yet. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I might... To to get to the next level, I'd need to be, like, level 24 before I could start doing more fusions, you know? And I'm not oh, quite there.
1: For, for me, like... I think this is the first game we've played where you've had so many demons available to you so early on that were so easy to get. And there were also mm-hmm. so many fusion options that almost immediately, like, every time I gained a level, the first thing I would do was go back to that fusion menu and see what new I could create.
3: Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So we already have two well, new branches of mechanics to talk about because we mentioned two different things. Um, does anyone have anything else to say about uh, about that, though?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, the, uh, about the stats. Um, yeah this is one of my favorite things about this game is the way everything you do is kind of contextualized within the narrative of the game as, oh, it's your demonic suit. Oh, well, the reason you have this UI, the reason you have this map, oh, it's the suit. The reason mm-hmm. you gain levels, it's not because you're some sort of like magical human that can become like ten times stronger through a couple of hours no, of fighting.
2: You just, you
3: just you just read a few more pages of your demonic manual.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like you, you have a suit itself and the suit basically, uh, the more you, the, the way they explain it in the game is the more you use your suit,
0: the more the suit under Understands
1: how you fight and adapts its own capabilities to match yours. Which mm-hmm. is say it's a learning AI, pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love, I love the addition of the Demonica suit to the uh, SMT lore. And I was surprised to find out. I think this is the first game with the Demonica suit. um Oh, does it, it come
3: also, back? Yeah, yeah, oh.
0: yeah. It, yeah, it uh, you'll see it again in. Uh, I'm guessing four later. Yeah, later SMT <laughs> games, all two of them. But it's a really cool addition and it definitely, you know, I guess to just explain what the demonica suit is, it's the suit that you're wearing, uh, that your character is wearing. And um, from what I read, it was inspired by uh, actual like astronaut suits, but um, it kind of looks like a cross between an astronaut suit and like a demonic Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you look a lot like a, like a tokusatsu
2: character when you got one of these on.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, um, it's basically what you go out into the world with, and, uh, yeah, it is the, uh, what you're leveling up and, uh, what you're improving the technology in and whatnot, um, anyway, it's just a really cool, cool element.
3: hmm So, uh, the next thing that we should probably talk about is Demon Fusion, um, I, once again, I I plead ignorance on this. Uh, demon Fusion is always just a little ab- above my head in terms of how much I actually want to engage with it. Um, from my perspective, you click one demon, you click a second, and if the, if the second column is filled in with a readable color,
2: that means you can do it. It's not really that complicated. There's it, – it, like when you get to Persona 3 and 4 later on, like – I think everyone's pretty familiar with the fact that there's a chart. Certain families produce certain outcomes, Mm -hmm. and, like, if you fuse two demons, it averages the level and then looks for the thing in the resulting family that is the closest to the average level between those demons, and that's what you get. So here's my main question that I don't understand about the fusion of this game. Sources. They just completely
3: override whatever that demon's power set is with the source demon's power
1: set. Kind of, uh, there's there's a there's a limited inheritance system, so the the demon that you end up getting will still have their one or two skills or whatever that demon's base skills are, uh, the skills they would have if you recruited them in the field, but then they also inherit um, anywhere from like one to three skills from the parent demons, okay. and it's not it's, there's not a good way of telling what skills will and won't be inherited, uh, but yeah, like usually each demon has one or two skills that they're capable of passing on to the next demon.
2: Yeah, oh, okay. certain families can inherit a certain skills. I don't know if you guys ran into this, but it's kind of an annoying thing like when you fuse your healers a lot of times, the resulting thing can't accept healing abilities on its uh like in
1: its inheritance,
2: which can get a little rough.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I always make sure I keep my healer until I unlock the next healer.
1: And there are ways to mitigate that. Um, as as you use your demons and you level up with them, uh, they'll eventually give you their demon source. And the demon source is it works kind of like the fusion items in uh, Persona or in um yeah in Persona One. It works like the fusion items where instead of just instead of just fusing a demon and being happy with the results, you can give the new demon, a demon source that will teach him skills based on the theme of the other demon. And the skills are usually more powerful than whatever the demon that gave you the source was. So I'll uh, just to give you an example, a fairy. Uh, she has two skills, uh, Aggie, which is the weakest fire spell and Dia, which is the weakest healing spell. But if you get her, uh, fusion or her, her demon source, she gets, um, Maragi, which allows her to heal everybody at once or, uh, Medea, uh, Medea that allows you to heal, heal everybody at once. So like, As long as you're managing those things carefully, because you generally only get one per demon. Uh, Like, you can't go back and get a second one from that pixie once you've got the first one. But uh, as as long as you're careful with those, like, you can usually make sure that you have a a party that is balanced to whatever your next fight is, which is pretty cool.
2: Yeah, and the fact that you can only get one per demon in my first playthrough made me incredibly hesitant to use these. Like, I would almost never put them on stuff, because I was like, what if I need it later? (laughs) Which is... A bad decision. You should just yeah.
1: – For for me, it kind of inspired like sort of the opposite. Like I'm using them like almost every fusion. I'm using one of those things. But it's also encouraging me to cycle out my party constantly, uh, use demons that aren't necessarily my alignment in between boss fights, and mm-hmm. just like try to get as many of those things as possible. Because like the demons you can make with those items are just – they're fantastic. Uh, you yeah. can have demons that can at- attack almost every elemental type. You can have your whole party capable of healing. Like, it, it's wonderful.
2: Yeah, do it the way Evan does it. He's right. Uh, Too much work.
3: Um, So uh, out in the field, you're going to get into some battles. Uh, One thing you're going to notice pretty quick is that if you've never encountered an enemy before, they will appear as like a glitch in the matrix type floating portal thing. Um, And uh, you just, you don't know nothing and you have to sort of attack blind Try to exploit a weakness if you can find one, or if you have the appropriate skills to exploit those weaknesses. Um, in general, though, you just gotta you gotta beat those unknown demons at least once before you find out what they are. And you yeah. can negotiate with these unknown demons. It's risky. It's based off blind chance. Has anyone gotten it to work?
2: Because I have not.
1: No. I, I got one I got-
2: to give me an yeah. item once. Yeah. Now, I was saying I think I got Maka from one of those encounters once, but yeah, yeah, it's generally just don't don't do that.
3: Yeah, not, items, Maka. I'm gonna keep doing it until I get something weird because I know there's got to be like a weird random chance that something weird happens.
1: They said in the tutorial that if you negotiate with an unknown demon, it's the only way to get certain special items. Uh-huh. So like maybe a rare forma or something.
3: Yeah, but I have not gotten any of that yet. Um, let's see. Du, 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 du. You can you can cast magic, but it's through your gun. Your gun <laughs> gets like one spell per just gun level you buy. It's real yeah, odd.
2: What a weird system. Do you ever get a gun that has two spells? Yeah, you, do, you get yeah. you get guns with three spells later on, but it's oh, kind man. of a replacement for the bullet system in yeah. earlier games. Where just instead of like swapping out bullets in the gun you just have you're pulling from an mp pool to use those special effects
3: it's not bad it's just it's a it's a weird picture
1: it's neat because it's for the first time ever in this series i'm actually hanging on to equipment after i upgrade it so like it incentivizes you having a couple of guns in your inventory just in case you come across something with a certain weakness it helps to kind of shore up uh, imbalances in your party
3: oh i sure fucked myself on there's a boss coming up with that uh it tricks you the game tricks you it's my favorite fuck you so far in this game Uh, where the boss casts fire, but the game just gave you a really good piece of armor that's weak to fire. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so leveling is based on your character class, no manual stat distribution. Oh wait, what the
1: fuck? Yeah. When you, when you start up the game, it asks you,
3: there's a character class. What the fuck?
1: Yeah, so like if you've ever played any of the Ultima games, it'll ask you a series of questions and it'll give you a class based on how you answer. So like, oh, that so mattered. So, yeah, uh, so depending <laughs> on how you answer, it, it, basically all your class means is that you have a higher chance of getting one attribute over all the others. Uh, I, I went with a luck build because uh, luck is a really nice stat to have in these games. I also Aww. got luck. All that means is the iron luck a little bit more frequently than any of the other, the other classes.
3: Mm-hmm. DS is totally dead. I wanted to, I wanted to pull up my character to see if I could see which class I chose because I don't remember. Yeah, yeah
0: we must answer question. these
2: questions fairly similarly, Evan, because I also got luck.
0: <laughs> oh, I
1: actually looked it up in a guide because I, I was like, you know what? No, I want luck. I want luck this time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I just just went uh, answered him genuinely on this run.
1: You're far too prepared, right. Evan. <laughs> I, I, having played this before like there are a lot of times in this game where you definitely die due to an unlucky critical or like just a really bad dice roll uh, like getting hit with a Mudo or something like that so right. I yeah. the highest luck I could possibly get
0: yeah they, they, were, they were me too, with uh, Mudo and Hama in this game <laughs> oh weird I opened my i just this is a sidetrack tra- side but I opened my 3DS and the 3D was on for some reason and I was like what's wrong with my screen <laughs> Yeah, looking at a chart here, most, uh, regardless of what, um,
2: regardless of what class support type you end up with, most of your abilities have a roughly, like, 19-20% to 20% chance of increasing. The one that gets tagged for you, the that you're, like, good at, uh, has, like, a 25% chance of increasing instead.
3: Well, I, the most, the thing I have the most of is Vitality, so I assume that's
2: what it is. That's probably the tagged one for you, then. I, yeah, I, I don't thing. think there's a way to check...
3: There's not uh, a huge difference
1: between the classes, it's just in the long run it ends up being a little bit more weighted toward one. Yeah. It looks yeah, like sure. I did
2: strength.
3: That's not a bad one. Nah. Okay, so character class, um, that resets on New Game Plus. New Game Plus sounds weird. Um, I guess we'll talk about New Game Plus way at the end. It's
2: uh, Or do we just say right now, actually? It's just like more stuff, like more areas. Um, just There's a few new items available to you at the beginning of the game, but otherwise you just keep a lot of your stuff from the the first one. I, I'm doing New Game Plus on this run, and I think I'm I'm the only one of the four of us. And there's uh, it some, hasn't it there's hasn't been doors, honestly right? that different yet. No, there there are doors, but that's like you have to get pretty far in the game before that even happens.
3: Okay, that's late game New Game Plus. All right,
2: there's a a few new sub apps in there uh, that are pretty, that are really expensive, but um. There's, like, a seven-card hand, which give, lets you have seven sub-apps activated regardless of their size. Uh, there's Red Carpet, which um, just makes sure you don't have any random encounters. Uh, and I think the other weird one is called New Megami Tensei, which you can try and turn it on, and it just spits out random error messages, and it's supposed to be a joke about, like, pirate carts or something. <laughs> that, that one was a little lost <laughs> on me. I know that, That's a little strange. But other than that, you keep your, you keep your Demon Compendium, your Maka, your items. You don't keep your, they wipe your sources. They wipe which sources you've got. Um, but yeah, like, you're still, you're still, uh, you, you, and you don't keep your character levels, but, like, everything else makes you so amazing that the, the first part of the game is basically a cakewalk.
3: Ah, right. So, Demon Fusion, one thing we forgot to mention is that, um, you can do it on the go, just wherever. uh. uh you know, pause, quote-unquote. You actually... There's no pause in this game. You, you can't open up your menu with the Y button. Um, and all, the X button opens up your mission log, and goddammit, guys, I wish those buttons were switched.
0: I do hit yep. X mm-hmm. a lot, yeah. Yeah, me too. I keep on hitting the keep, keep on hitting the wrong button all the time. Yep.
3: It's frustrating.
0: Um, <laughs> but yeah,
3: do it on the go. Do it wherever. That's why Dev, Evan was saying earlier, just as soon as you get a level up, you can just check. There's no... Velvet Room or Fusion Mansion or nothing. It's just literally an, a, a thing in your demonica.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. No weird nose monster, just pure technology. <laughs> <laughs> you That's say
3: weird, was... I say comforting. <laughs> <laughs>
2: One more weird. Fusion thing. Uh, do, you, I, do you guys have access to this yet in New Game? Uh, the special Fusion feature? Is that yes. like an option so far? Yes. You
3: get that around the time you beat the, the bull-headed guy. Okay, okay. You just
2: start with it in New Game Plus. Yeah, they don't that makes make you sense. Back.
3: Um, so then we do uh, alignments. Guys, let's officially talk about it. I mean, uh, we gave a few hints earlier, but what's everyone doing? I grabbed Chaos this time around.
1: Yeah, I'm doing neutral, uh, the thing that's always my favorite. That leaves me with Law. And, yeah. I'm sorry.
3: Well, Chris, you already said you were doing neutral too, right?
2: Yeah, yeah which... Um, I, I like the the neutral route in this game. When I played it before, that's the one I went. And it, it's got a really, like, impactful ending that I really liked. So on this run-through, there is one... You do get to a question where a guy asks you... He asks you something, and the neutral response is, both sides are wrong. And it made me be like, ah, oh, the South Park option.
0: <laughs> <Exactly>.
3: <laughs> well, that's what neutral is. Everyone's wrong, I'm right, I'm in not in the middle, and I'm on no one's side. Hooray. Um... But yeah, I noticed that too. I don't. I, I, man, I wish I remembered the question for that. Uh, oh, it was like something about do you side with the demons or something, right? It,
1: yeah, it's yeah.
2: more to you whether you side with humans or demons. Yeah. I think.
3: Um, so in battle, your main character and your demon names are colored in uh, depending on your alignment. And here's how this affects your actual battle scenarios. If you cast, let's say you line up, you got four demons. Let's say you got. Two of them the same alignment as you, and one that's not the same alignment as you. If you cast any kind of move that's a weakness to any of the enemies on the screen, um, that will activate demon co-op. And the two demons that have a similar alignment to you will then just give a bonus attack. I think it's just like their standard attack move is what happens. And that ends up doing like... uh, a good amount of damage, uh, j- almost about not quite as much, but almost about the amount of damage you just did in in the in the original move that caused the weakness in the first place. So you're basically getting double that, and that's for and that it applies to every single demon. Uh, that because then they also just get their normal move, and if that move also causes a weakness, then again the other two with the same alignment
2: would again do that bonus attack. Yeah, it's a good thing the animation's short, or this would get really annoying after a while. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. You mean in, like, Tokyo Mirage sessions, where every yeah. session <laughs> takes five fucking minutes? Exactly. <laughs> good God. Okay. Yeah, it functions similarly to the all-out attack in Persona, but you don't want a cutscene every time. No. But it's, it's really awesome. I really love this system. Um, it's it's not like
3: it, um, it, it actively changes how you think about the battles, but it does mean that you have to be... It encourages to play to your alignment, which I like. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so uh, the game has actual missions like quests, like it's a Skyrim alike. Um, There's also (laughs) side quests that you can find in the dungeons. Uh, Demons will ask you to do certain favors or you'll find, you know, members of your strike team down in the dungeons and they'll, you know, let's go rescue that ship or there's a guy in there screaming, let's go save him, things of that nature. And with that, uh, let's actually get into this game.
0: Well, oh, you start out uh, very dramatically. It's the outset of the 21st century, also known as uh, the beginning of the 21st century. Um, Earth, not surprisingly, is a planet teeming with life. Mankind, seven billion strong, continued to prosper. However, this prosperity had a price. To a species unable to ca- halt the environment's destruction, a land of ruin would inevitably appear even so mankind desperate for salvation clung to hope a few a brave few began their mission to the enigmatic land of ruin little realizing this harsh journey will decide man's fate so that's a crawl that you start out with and then it goes to a uh nasa style control room and uh there's a black hole in the uh, center of antarctica that's bad yeah that's not a good sign and uh I was actually reading that apparently the uh the teaser site for this uh had a image that they had designed which showed the planet with a giant hole like sucking out the middle uh the bottom of the planet which I really wish uh that was still available online because that sounds pretty badass. So uh in this uh, control room, uh you hear a voice that's talking about the Schwarzbelt uh joint project which um is a secret organization um, that controls information worldwide, and it goes through all these scenes that look familiar. They're like scenes of war, megastores, twisted hellscapes, and it turns out that all of these are appearing from the Schwarzschild, which has taken over Antarctica. And so then it goes and pans to pansa or uh, cuts to a uh, cutscene of uh, a convoy of armored cars driving through the snow. And uh, they're transporting a team of special forces that have uh, been sent in by the U.N. to uh, look into what's going on with the Schwarzfeld and um, investigate the fact that it's taking over more of the world. Um, According to the uh, narration, the uh, Schwarzfeld showed up several months prior in Antarctica, And, um, the media has been covering it that, uh, the media has been doing coverage that it's a massive storm, but it's actually a spatial anomaly that absorbs and destroys everything it touches. It started out as a meter wide, but is expanding into several hundred kilometers and is continuing to grow. And if you can't get rid of it, it's going to swallow the earth. Um, and so, yeah, your team is sent off, uh, in one of these armored vehicles, along with other armored vehicles with their teams, into the interior of the Schwarzschild try and find a way to destroy the anomaly.
1: But it's worth mentioning that uh, Schwarzschild is uh, draws its name from the Schwarzschild radius, which is the point of a black hole where no light or anything can escape, which is pretty cool. Very cool, yeah. Um, and that's pretty much where the sto- where your
2: story begins. Yeah, I, I'm pretty into the. The intro sequence, it's pretty fun. It included yeah. that, that weird little, like, preview at the beginning that happened. Because the preview talks about things that have not happened yet in the story, <laughs> interestingly.
0: You know what I thought was weird? Uh, and this is also, like, extra textual. But I was, you know, in the interviews that I was reading with the team, uh, they kept on talking. And I don't know if it was because people were asking them this question in interviews. But they kept on talking about how... This game was unique or an anomaly in uh, SMT in that it had sci-fi elements, which this game, de- this game definitely has a lot of sci-fi elements. But, I mean, I've, I've always thought, like, sci-fi elements were pretty integral to uh, Shin Megami Tensei, even from the beginning. You know, it's like you're... Oh, definitely. You know, you're summoning your demons with computers and whatnot. So I thought that was a strange thing for them to, like, call out. I mean, I guess it's more... more notable in this game than other ones but yeah they, they start out loading you up with technology in a way
1: that a lot of the other games don't like that's it's true everything's state-of-the-art brand new and actually i just remembered just to forestall any people that might get irritated at this it's not the schwarzveld it's the uh the Schwarzschild shield radius is the thing in real life schwarzveld is just uh... A uh but presumably it's referencing the Schwarzschild shield radius
2: yeah it, it is uh um... I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here, but it is kind of almost comical a little bit how they load you up with all this sci-fi technology at the beginning. or are like, you're the best, this is going to be amazing, we've got a great plan, everything's going to go great. And then it immediately collapses. <laughs> <laughs> like, which isn't really that surprising, because when they explain the plan to you, it doesn't sound like they really have much of a plan. They're just kind no. of like, go there and look at it. Yeah,
1: Everybody involved thinks that it's going to be a suicide mission. It's like, okay, this is this thing that we don't understand that's killing everything. We're going to throw all of our resources at it and hope something sticks, which is I mean, is it makes awesome.
3: perfect sense to me. I mean, you don't know. Like, anything could be in that box. It could be a boat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just, just what's what's about to happen when the the vehicles fly into the sports Well, Okay. Excuse me for a weird tangent here, but it reminds me of that bit at the beginning of the first at the end of the first Hobbit movie where they have this um, this bit where the guy like he pulls out this this like wood shield and it's like his namesake and it's like the camera soars, and it's like, "Oh, this is going to be amazing. He's got the thing going on. This is going to be so cool." And then he gets immediately owned by the villain in like a h- hilarious anticlimax.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
3: Uh, was that it for the intro?
2: I
0: we think need so, yeah. Now? Yeah, okay,
2: so I'm the only
3: one who's never played this game, which means I have no idea how anybody's character arc ends. So I'm going to tell everybody my impressions of these characters, <laughs> and they can all giggle to themselves at how wrong I am. Um, let's see, there's Commander Gore. He's uh, he's big and black, and he has no hair. Um, he's no-nonsense, he's no and he's very serious, and uh, he's going to die. Then there's First Lieutenant Zelin. Z- 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 I hate these names, all of these names, not all. Is it Zelenin? I, I pronounced or it never Z- 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 You know, there's so Z- many L- L- words L- in this game that I've never even bothered to try pronouncing, which is <laughs> like, you know, a running theme of this podcast.
1: Yes. Every time I see her name, I just think of a French person saying Zelenin.
0: L- <laughs> Z- Z- L- this L- podcast – this podcast is definitely teaching me that the words that I sound out in my brain for about 80 hours of game time aren't necessarily really accurate, or no, aren't no. even like accurate to the spelling of the names in some cases.
3: Uh, yeah, now now would be a good time to announce our new sister podcast, the Persona Pronunciation Podcast, <laughs> uh, where
2: we debate <laughs> of on the pronunciations of, of <laughs> solved Japanese words. Anyways. it is kind of funny that I happen to come on the one with the fewest Japanese words <laughs> True. Uh, I, I've taken well, a few I've taken a few Japanese classes so I'm okay at pronouncing that stuff
0: but no, not gonna help this time we'll just dial you in in the future <laughs> it'll just there be one of us way. talking
1: and then we'll just splice in your voice for the Japanese
2: just every single time that'd be great you, um, you guys have been pretty good about it so far. <laughs> hmm.
3: You know, we, we do our half-ass best. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, Due diligence would be saying too much, but uh, <laughs> we, we we try moderately.
2: There have been a few that have made me twitch, but
0: <laughs> So we got
3: Zelenin, and she's a blonde Russian woman. Um, she's focused, ever curious. She's your... She's the science officer. She's not in your ship. She's in another ship. Like she's assigned to another ship, the Elve. Yeah, the Elve, which becomes a plot point later. Um, she's uh, you know pretty optimistic uh, about you know humans and humanity, and uh, when demons come about, she gets pretty horrified by demons. So if I had to guess, I'd say she ends up like some sort of horrible thing happens with her and a demon. Does she get fused with the demon? No, I'm saving that one. I know who gets fused with the demon. And then I think Zelenin, uh, I, she's probably going to get, like, captured or something. Well, I guess she already does get captured. I guess she gets recaptured later.
1: There's a lot of fusions going on in this game.
3: Oh, I bet.
1: Oh,
0: yeah.
3: The the universe fusions. Let's do that. We're going <laughs> to fuse this universe with the Dancing All Night universe. That'll be great. <laughs> um, Crewman Jimenez is your other... Uh, hero here. Uh, Zelenin is obviously the hero, the the law hero character of this game. Uh, Jimenez, Jimenez, Jimenez. I'm from Texas. I know how to pronounce Spanish names. Jimenez is a Latino man with a goatee, and he is very obviously your chaos hero. Uh, He plays by his own rules and loves demons and um, used to be a warrant officer in the U.S. military, so he's uh, also very serious, but not, not
2: really at all, actually. He's very flippant. I don't know if this is just my personality, but Jimenez comes off like a huge dick, like almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Oh, he is. No, oh, definitely. Yeah. doesn't care about anybody except himself. Yeah, I-
1: like, one of your first conversation options with him is, like, you, you you have the opportunity to introduce yourself and say hi to him, and if you don't, he'll be like, oh, yeah, good idea. We better not get friendly with each other. We're probably going to die out here, so better mm-hmm. keep personal attachments to a minimum.
2: He just seems like an incredibly annoying person to interact with. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. And then you have your com-
3: almost comically neutral option, Arthur, who is a...
2: Robot that tells you what to do. I, I like that they introduce AI, that this universe has AI personalities like it's just no big deal. Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh yeah, we've got smart AI now, you know? You not, know only got that. They, not only is there AI, they're, they are in charge. The yes. AI is given the top post. It, very 2001-ish.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was about
0: to say that I'm sure that Hal had no influence on <laughs> this, <laughs>
3: this game. Yeah, this, um, so far, this feels like the most Hollywood SMT game we've played. It's very interesting.
1: Maybe that's what they meant by, like, the most sci-fi game. It's not necessarily the game with the most science fiction elements, but specifically the most inspired by sci-fi film.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and uh, that's that, that's our cast of characters. And uh, yeah. now we get into the, the when the shit goes down.
1: Yeah, now that we know who all of our main characters are, we had a little nice briefing. Uh, we're now ready to uh, die... We're now ready to dive into the sports, uh, uh So our ships have crashed. Uh, we lost contact with everybody. Everything almost died, and your ship is just sitting in the Schwarzveld, totally blacked out. No power, nothing. Uh, so Commander Gore uh, sends everybody out with their new Demonicas, uh, which are the suits that allow them to survive in the sportswelt. Uh They very quickly find out that if you aren't wearing a suit, you die almost immediately. So you got to keep that thing on. Uh Jimenez uh, very briefly uh, describes, like, hey, here, here's how the suit works. All the different functions on it, it protects you from the elements. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, it has an AI system that uh, learns from you and adapts to however you fight. Uh, basically, a learning AI within the suit itself. Uh, Jimenez kind of throws in a few jabs at the uh, upper brass, saying that he really hopes that the officers uh, value the people in the suits more than the suits themselves. Just kind of, which is ironic, because he doesn't seem to value other people's lives much at all. But um, uh, never stops him from sharing a negative opinion of the folks above him. Yeah. Uh, so w- once you get into your suit, uh, you get a classic Ultima style uh, selection quiz. Uh, the way it worked in those older games is that you will get a series of basically like an ethics test where it'll say like, "Oh, so and so is going in by themselves, and they need your help. You're probably going to die if you go in after them. What will you do? Will you attack? Will you attack them? Will you attack the people going after them bravely?" and foolishly, or will you devise some sort of trick in order to get both of you out of the situation? It's basically trying to ask, like, do you want to use brute force? Do you want to use cunning? Those kind of questions. And uh, depending on how you ask, uh, it basically means that one of your uh, attributes is going to get boosted slightly more than the others. Uh, we talked about that a little bit already, but um, I, I really like these systems. Like, I, I realize they're, they're a little bit clumsier than just assigning attributes at the beginning of the game, but I like these much more because when a game just Tells me cold, hey, distribute some stats, here are your points. That's terrible, because I, I barely know what those stats mean. I don't know what they're going to mean long term. With something like this, it's kind of the game telling me, you know what, don't worry too much about the actual stats. We'll take care of it. It's not like you have to, it's not like your answers to one of these quizzes is going to break the game for you.
3: Evan, mm-hmm. have you ever played Dragon Quest three? I have not. So in Dragon Quest three, at the very beginning of the game, there's a really weird dream sequence that dictates what your personality is through a few questions and then it presents a little gameplay scenario where it gives you a task and just records how you react to it and the scenario the weird thing is that scenario i reloaded the game four times i got a different scenario each time i really wonder how many scenarios there are for that little opening test thing
1: that's interesting
3: yeah, I don't really have any point to, more than just, here's another time a game did this interestingly.
2: Speaking of weird dream sequences, did we already pass by the part where your character hallucinates the three guys sitting in the white room?
1: No. No, that's about to happen.
2: Okay. I thought uh, that was like during the crash was the first time you saw that.
1: Yeah, so actually getting into that right now, uh, Yeah, once your suit is all up and running, uh, the ships are diving into the storm. But as soon as they hit the radius, they just... All, all communication cuts out. Uh, they, they, the people in your ship feel like the Schwarzfeld itself is fighting your ships, uh, trying to keep them out. Uh, and then as soon as that happens, the game whites out. Uh, you basically go unconscious, and you wake up in a room with three gentlemen, uh, three old men having tea. And uh, you hear them talking amongst themselves, uh, what fruitless things do humans attempt? Do they know? Do they know who they are dealing with? They cannot, for if they did, they would not attempt this. This man, his soul be, will not be devoured so easily. Uh, one of them comes towards you, asks you your name, and then as soon as you give it, uh, sends you back out uh, with a message. Here in this blasted land, what will you find? A light illuminating, illuminating the way to the future? The fires of destruction? Or perhaps, ellipses, 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 question mark?
2: <laughs> That's a guess. <laughs> one.
1: No so, so you wake up. Uh, your ship has suffered a full system crash. Um, wait,
3: wait, wait. Sorry, Evan. Sorry, oh, Evan. Yep. What everyone named their character. Evan Noggle? Yeah, you're obvious, Evan. You can always go first when I ask this question.
1: Eventually, I will name it something that's not that. It's just there are certain games where it just feels normal.
3: Okay. <laughs> well, I'm curious what game will break that cycle for you
2: then.
1: It's Persona 4. It's That's the only one that I'll do it differently, and that's only because of the Giant Bomb Endurance run.
2: Of course. Uh, I, I also name myself Chris Hughes. That's just my name. Of course.
0: Paul, did you name it after yourself? Uh, no, because, like, you know, this is a running theme, but because I'm, like, a nine-year-old boy, I went with uh, Shaft Buttocks. Ah, (laughs) I love it.
3: That's a good one. And I named it after two dear friends. One, uh, I named the first, first name is after Ian, who was on our Persona episode, and his last name is McCann, after our dear friend Liam from Australia. Ah, nice. But, Yes. Uh, I just wanted, I don't know, it was a normal American man, and I wanted an action star name, and Mm -hmm. I thought those two, I thought Ian (laughs) McCann sounded good together.
0: That's a good one, yeah. Oh, yeah. Slab bulkhead.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so uh, with our names and our destiny in tow, uh, we wake up, uh, the ship has crashed, uh, and so has the AI. Uh, With Arthur offline, Commander Gore takes over, and he um, sends you throughout the ship to deal with the invaders. Uh, All you see are these weird staticky images. You have no idea what's going on uh, as just invisible enemies kill teammate after teammate. Uh, In all this chaos, someone unknown uh, sends you a message. Uh, You who have wandered in, we will send you the way to know and capture them. And then all of a sudden, a demon summoning program appears in your demonica, which is interesting because uh, only your crew has received copies of this program, Uh, just the folks on the red sprite. And, uh, as soon as you get that program, everybody can see the demons, but only as these like blue staticky blurs. Uh, and with the power down and the crew alert to the threat, they all regroup and, uh, yeah, they, they get ready for what to do next. Uh, they find out the demon summoning program was sent by someone within the Schwarzwelt. Uh, they have no idea who, but they left a message, which is, I, 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 am going to read, it's a long quote, but I'm going to read it. Cause I absolutely love this. Um, it was humans As your fathers, as your sons, as your friends, we have sent you power. You have arrived at this land ruled by demons due to the karma of mankind. But despair is not all that remains. There is still hope nestled within your fear. The demons you will encounter are your enemies as well as your allies. Will you stand against them? And then, yeah, that's it. Once you clear the uh, demons from the ship, you find out that your crew was carried off in the wilderness by those weird invisible demons and, uh it's your job to go out into the Schwarzwelt to recover them.
2: Yeah, I. the implication is that the message comes from the dudes in the white room, probably. At least that was how I interpreted it.
1: That's what I thought at first, but, like, they get into this a little bit later in the game, and it's not really a spoiler, but, um, because uh, we already talked about this, but one theme in this game is that the demons are kind of created or at least strongly influenced by humans, uh, but they also helped create humans into, like, the intelligent creatures that they are now. So when they talk about, like, were your fathers, were your sons, were your friends. It's like yeah, it's like you you created the demons, the demons created you, uh helped shaped you and somebody somebody in this hellhole actually wants you to survive, which is kind of nice.
2: Yeah, they'll introduce this as like a plot element later on, the idea that like during humanity's infancy, it was it created the demon. Well, this is uh, this is like part of the lore of the series that I'm pretty into. This idea of like the collective unconscious spawning these, like, thought forms, and then those thought forms influencing the growth of humanity. Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> Everybody oh, else yeah, feels about that,
2: but I'm pretty into it. I don't know. It
0: seems to pull from, like, the concept of the tulpa, the uh, mm-hmm. B- uh, Buddhist concept of the tulpa, but also, oh, sure. yeah, you know, also sort of, uh, especially the Persona games, but the SMT games, too, <laughs> Seems to be inspired a lot by Jung's concept of the uh, collective unconscious as well. Have you guys have you
3: guys um have you guys ever looked at the Wikipedia page for Tulpa? I have not. Let me just read you the saddest part about it. Man. Following the popularizing and secularizing of the concept of Tulpa in the Western world, um, for example in the nineteen ninety nine X Files episode Arcadia and the two thousand six Supernatural episode Hellhouse emerged an internet subculture of practitioners who create imaginary <laughs> friends, which they call Tulpa, and believe to be sentient. The community originated in 2009 from the discussion board 4chan and gained popularity through the emergence of the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic fandom. And then, it's,
2: then it cites three sources, number 15 through 17. <laughs> yeah, so, I've, so I've, I've mentioned this before in other discussions. But, uh, it's actually not that different of a concept from the waifu, which nope. is a th- an anime subculture uh they just didn't call it tulpa back then they had another word for it <laughs> Bel- believe so- me chris everyone
3: in the uh, in the mega 10 fandom knows what a waifu is
2: just uh, just for the audience i wouldn't assume that anyone <laughs> has,
0: like, that background this is funny because like i when i came to the concept it was through like my interest in like paranormal lore and folklore and stuff and I don't think it was until we got all on all got on the uh, Duckfeed slack that I had any idea that there was like some kind of like weird <laughs> you know, anime subculture trying to resurrect uh or trying to like you know, create like you know, actual thought forms that they could date or Yeah. <laughs> so that over. was actually
1: My first exposure to the term Tulpa was uh, I listened to two podcasts that are absolutely horrible but wonderful. One of them is Lou Reads the Internet. The other one is the F Plus, and they (laughs) cover. They basically cover forums like this, or they'll they'll go over posts of people that are trying to summon their spirit pony or whatever. And that's that's the only time I'd ever heard the term tulpa before. So every time Paul would mention tulpa, I would immediately think of the thing Brian just mentioned. Yeah, <laughs> and I was I just sitting here quietly, like I should I should maybe not I should maybe not go into that right now. Yeah, we
3: did the, a really
2: it's, it's sad a, reply all episode on it too.
3: <laughs> it's a t- it's a tainted idea in the modern context, unfortunately.
0: I was totally ignorant to it. Like, I, when you guys started joking about it, I was like, wait, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> so, we've all learned something I, in, I the, mean, uh, like, in the 13 episodes. Don't want to come so off far. as
2: judgy. Everyone has their needs and their problems. Like, you know, that's fine, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, uh,
3: yeah, we're going into Sector and ent- 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 Entlia. These, these are going to be some fucking hard-to-pronounce names, guys. Um... Antlea, a frozen waste with walls of ice everywhere. Um, it's the kindest the game gets to you. I mean, demons aren't so hard. Almost no one's going to kill you very easily. Uh, and the game's going to give you a demon right off the bat. You get Everyone gets pixie right at the start.
2: Oh, I did any... want to mention, yeah. uh, before you go in, there was one more line that I, I think I wanted to mention because it really struck me as funny. Um, before you go out into the, the, the uh, Schwarzwald. I think is when Commander Gore says, I'm sorry to say that members of our crew have been kidnapped by demons, with his <laughs> entirely straight face that he always <laughs> And I just love him dealing with this entirely ludicrous situation with his, uh, you know, <laughs> flatness.
1: Oh, it's fantastic.
2: <laughs> That's pretty good. But I'm sorry to interrupt, Brian.
3: No, it's fine. Everything's, yeah, so first level, pretty easy. Uh, you, you know, you... you there's uh, some basic checkpoint markers to hit. They tell you to go investigate a few things. You're introduced to the doors. Um, oh, So that's the thing. So some as you upgrade throughout the game, you're going to get some more functionality to your demonica, and it will see different things on the battlefield as you're moving around. So at first, not every door is apparent to you. And even if you can see a door, that doesn't mean you can necessarily go through it, because you don't have the correct portal opening device. Um, as the game goes on, you'll eventually get things that show you forma that are out in the battlefield or those enemies we were talking about earlier that are revealed through the enemy search mechanic. Um, but yeah, at this point you're just, uh, well, first you're basically on the right side of the room. There's a South room and a North room that you're going to have to go to like two times each. <laughs> so, uh, you explore around, oh, uh, you rescue the crewmen, uh, from basic enemies first, some oozes, some, uh, ghost guys. Uh, once you get to all of them, Gore orders you back to the ship. The crew is left shorthanded due to the demon attacks, but you detect one of the other ships from your expedition. (gasps) So Crewman Jimenez sends a distress call. He confirms that the other ship is destroyed and asks you to come rescue him. Uh, at this point, you've rescued Irving, the ship's head engineer. Yeah, a lot of the guys you're rescuing down there serve, uh, practical functions in the main ship, so you can, like, rescue the, the- the lab guy and then go back and- uh, use the lab or rescue the sick bay people and go back and use the sick bay.
2: Yeah, um, I, I think Irving Irving's like the standout because they give him like a cartoonishly rural American way of speaking. He's <laughs> so he's always the one I remember because he's like, "Hey, come on down to the lab and you
0: know, <laughs> get the forma." Isn't it the lab that also has someone uh, has a woman named Maybe? Um, I think, I, I think she's was... actually I think she's just in the the mission the mission room. Mm, i really I don't want to believe that that's a uh rest development reference but
3: i mean you can you can secretly hope i don't think there's any evidence to suggest such a thing <laughs> no there isn't that. There isn't. <laughs> i mean I, I wouldn't actively say that that's wrong either you know <laughs> um so uh your crew moves to rescue Jimenez, and they discover the other ship and then they're interrupted by a very powerful demon the crew is cut down one after another before the demon flees deeper into the caves. Commander Gore commands the crew to lead further in. Deep in the dungeon, you find Crewman Jimenez in front of the burning wreck of his ship. He's initially glad you find him, but then the demon that slaughtered your crewmate shows up and he runs the wh- hell away. Uh, Commander Gore stands strong, telling you and Jimenez to fall back while he takes on the demon himself. And then Commander Gore just goes all fucking in. It's great. Just charges at the guy. He he hasn't, like, he hasn't recruited any demons. This is just a human fighting a demon, which is a bad, bad decision. It is kind of awesome, but he also gets comically owned. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, so the demon uh, jokingly retreats. Gore thinks he's uh, victorious. And then uh, when Gore let his guards down, the demon attacks you. And then it's time for a boss fight. He's weak to fire. That's the boss fight. Uh, I mean, like, the early SMT boss fights are never anything. It's just really to make sure that you're learning to exploit weaknesses, uh, to heal,
2: and if you have them, to buff. He is a a lion with, like, a hat and snakes for arms, so that's kind of awesome. Yeah, it looks cool. The sprites are
3: awesome in this game. But, you know, it's still the same assets that you're seeing in every other SMT game.
2: So Gore, as he lays there
3: dying from the attack from the boss, tells you that the investigation of the Schwarzwelt is vital to the fate of mankind, to the whole Earth. He tasks you with completing that mission, then dies. You return to the ship. The crew grieves for their fallen commander, Jimenez wants to abandon the mission and find a way out of the Schwarzwelt. The crew wants to follow Gore's dying orders to explore the Schwarzbelt He asks you what you want to do because it's time for another alignment check. And uh, you choose and you get some alignment points. And then Jimenez says he saw some demons smash the ship uh, like it was nothing. Duty means Duty means nothing out here. What does that mean? I don't understand. Oh, uh, he, oh,
1: Jimenez basically ran away when the demons were smashing up his ship, and he said that it's like, "Hey, I don't care that it's my duty to help them." Oh, duty you're saying
3: nothing the, out here? Yeah, you're saying Jimenez is a okay. Yeah, Jimenez yeah, is a, a right guy. A he cares about no one but Bugaboo. We'll get to that. Hmm. So Arthur cuts in and uh, he tells you basically, "Hey, we have no idea how you got here. We have no idea where we are. Also, everyone's fucked. We're all fucked. You're gonna die." So listen to me. And then Arthur gives you some uh, some advice on how to proceed.
1: Yeah, uh, so the first thing he recommends is that you find the other ship and uh, take the reactor from it to get backup power, uh, or to, to get the off of backup power and get the ship uh, fully online again. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty straightforward. You just backtrack to the other ship. Uh, once you're there, you, you go to the engine room and take the reactor out. But uh, as you're doing it, you see that the ship is full of dead bodies, and the uh, AI of the dead ship... Uh, Is also just been destroyed, but uh, Jimenez takes basically the black box out of it. Uh, So back at your ship, you uh, get loaded up with brand new software that allows you to search and find Forma out in the world. Uh, The Forma is one of the kind of like Monster Hunter-like elements that I mentioned earlier, where by collecting certain items uh, out in the world that appear like as little blips on your mini-map, when you get close enough to them, you can get new weapons, new armor, uh, new consumable items, new uh, sub-apps. It's It's great. Like, I absolutely love the extra. So this is the thing that's new about this game, in that this is the first Megaton game we've played where the dungeons weren't just kind of like a dull pain in the ass that sometimes led to a stat increase. Like, there's actually, even though the formas are randomly spread around the map, you do have a reason to kind of go out and explore all the little nooks and crannies and get all the different... Uh, rare forms because some of them are fixed. Where you find this one format, and then all of a sudden, oh, you got a new item. You got you got a new app just because of this one spot in the world. And there's
3: so. treasure. There's just straight up treasure boxes too, which is yeah. like w- I still am baffled by the fact that Persona One didn't have a single just in the dungeon treasure.
1: Yeah, that, that, Persona One's treasure system was. We've we've already talked about that, but it, <laughs> man, it, it was terrible.
3: Well, I mean, but yeah, like. It's just the the nature of the beast. We're probably going to compare Strange Journey to Persona One a lot, just because oh, yeah. of how this pattern ended up.
1: Uh, but yeah, like works. this is the first this is the first game where I'm actually I'm exploring every inch of every dungeon, and I'm absolutely loving it. Like I I thoroughly enjoy that. Exploring these
2: dungeons is a lot of fun. It one it is a little bit annoying. They change it from and Odyssey. You you don't do the maps yourself. They're automatically mapped out by the DS, which Leads to a few weird things, like, there's certain places you can see, but it'll put it as a wall. And, like, if I was drawing the map in Entry and Odyssey, I wouldn't put that as a wall. But, you know. So you have to remember a few things, but it's probably better than the previous games.
0: Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, not being able to uh, mark it up like you can do with a map in Entry and Entry on Odyssey is uh, annoying. But not having to actually create the map is not something that I mind. Um, mm mm-hmm. Yeah. 'm I'm, I'm completely fine with that
1: yes yeah, so um now that you ha- now that you have the ability to get forma you're sent out to uh, find a rare forma somewhere in the sector that will allow you to progress further because uh, right now like you're surrounded by walls and locked doors that you can't open uh, so after a while just exploring finding different little hidden items in places uh, you'll eventually stumble across one that unlocks the ability to uh, unlock doors uh, in doing so you unlock the sub apps capability oh we already went into this a little bit. But um, each sub-app gives you a couple of different uh, advantages, uh, like the one I mentioned earlier that's absolutely wonderful is the one that basically gives you an extra chance if you screw up in a demon negotiation. Uh, but there's other stuff, too, like uh, some of them give you more maca whenever you ask for maca. Uh, some of them reduce the number of surprise attacks, uh, that kind of thing. Uh,
2: the Mistakes one is called Relax Spray, which creates a funny mental image that every time a demon gets mad, you, like, spritz it like it's a cat or something. <laughs> I love it. Oh, yeah.
0: You're like, chill out, bro. <laughs> Calm down,
1: man. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's kind of cool the way these are balanced. Uh, you have so many units that you can slot uh, these. Uh, they're not really like spells, but they're more like they're, – they're kind of like character skill. They're kind of like demon skills, but for your character, uh, like the passive skills. And you have so many slots that you can use. Uh, the, better, the better sub-apps take way more slots, and uh, you can only ever have 10 units worth of uh, sub-apps installed. Uh, they can also only be changed at the terminal or back at the base, so unlike with the Demon Fusion, you can't just load up on something and use it opportunistically, which is which is nice because it takes if it allowed you to change them constantly, there would be that added pressure to sort of like micromanage and optimize that it's nice having them restrict that to a certain amount. Did uh, did
2: they did we mention the terminals before this?
1: I don't think we did. Yeah, like scattered around the map, there are these terminals that uh, whenever you find the first one, uh, one of your crew like comes over and is like I carbon dated these terminals and they're over a hundred thousand years old. How can this be? But yeah, they're they're basically the terminals from all the other games. Uh, you can uh, you can save, you can teleport back to your ship, that's pretty much it.
2: It's just weird that they drop in that element of like, ooh, old and mysterious. I don't think they ever bring that up again.
1: Not in this game, no. It, it comes up in um, SMT three uh, Nocturne. Uh, they also mentioned when they start looking at the terminals that they were ancient, and I think that came up in a couple other games too, where they're just yeah, they're older than older than humanity. Presumably.
2: If you're just playing this one, it is an unresolved mystery, though.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, so yeah, once you get the um, once you get the rare, uh, forma that you need in order to unlock doors, you then move into the other ship and. Uh, yeah, once you come back with the new reactor and everything else, and the salvaged AI, the black box, all those good goodies, uh, your AI, Arthur, reboots your ship's reactor. And uh, after he analyzes the core of the other AI, uh, he finds out that uh, the other ship tried to escape, but actually crashed into this weird barrier between it and uh, the edge of the sector. Uh, so you're effectively trapped by some sort of energy shield. And, uh Arthur analyzed the structure of the Schwarzwelt and found out that there are multiple layers like an onion uh, that you have to overcome and each seems to be bigger than the previous layer, which is grim foreshadowing for some very terrible, not terrible, but very exhausting dungeons later on.
2: (laughs) Boots is already like quite a bit more of a slug than Antlia.
1: Oh yeah. And and once you get like that, they're not, Arthur's not kidding when he says that each one here is going to be bigger than the last and it, it just keeps escalating all the way to the end, which is, yeah, those last dungeons are going to be interesting to play through. So um, uh, Small Mercy, though, uh, now you have a, um, a map of the, the entire, uh, you're, you were able to map out Antilla, and you find that there's something that seems to be affecting the blockage between sectors. Uh, so your new mission is to uh, dive deeper into Antilla and investigate a large energy reading.
0: So, yeah, a few steps from the stairs, you'll uh, come across a tiny fairy, and uh, the fairy introduces you to uh, EX missions, which are uh, side quests that are signed via conversations. Uh, This can come either through uh, demons you come across in the world, or uh, shipmates on the red sprite. Um, And she wants a bead, uh, because uh, the creatures down there have been ganging up on, on her. Um, and it is in your best interest to help her as uh you'll get a uh, entire game side quest out of this um that is going to give you numerous rewards across the uh length of the game so uh a room later uh the world transforms, and you're no longer an icy cavern. Now, remember uh, early on when there was those uh, shots of uh, supposedly the Schwarzfeld and it showed uh, wartime and all these other scenes? Well, here we're going to see this again. And uh, you, you, fi- uh, you find yourself on a fiery battlefield and the walls are turning into buildings of this bombed-out city. Um, and it turns I'll admit, out...
3: this got me, man. Really? When I, saw it, when I went through the door, it was just like oh, shit, it's not all going to be the same. Because, man, I am still in the Mega 10, like, original NES Mega 10, where everything looked, (laughs) like, exactly the same fucking sprites. Like, I'm still in aftershock of that. So anything that's a step above (laughs) that is a win (laughs) in my book. I'll I'll give you this is a pretty
2: good reveal, yeah.
1: Yeah, this first area is awesome. Like, if you're walking around, you can actually see, like, fighters and bombers flying overhead. Like, the bombers will be dropping bombs on the city. And, yeah, it's great.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Especially yeah, Especially compared of... to the next one, because, like, they, they describe the next one as a red light district, and, like, that doesn't come across visually at all.
0: Yeah. No. Some of these places, like, you really have to go by the description, because otherwise, like, you know, it's just sort of a given of the uh, very limited hardware that uh, the DS was running on. Yeah. That, these visuals do not immediately always translate into what they're supposed to be. So yeah, the next uh, the next uh, sector is a red light in a district or a brothel, and yeah, if you were told that, you probably would not have any idea. Which is weird because
2: it looks like a like a like a crazy otherworldly like horror funhouse. Yeah, if they just said that, if they just said that, it would come across. But I don't know. It's weird
0: theming. Yeah, I mean, it kind of looks like, uh, you know, your traditional JRPG when you, like, start going into, like, some hell-like area that's not described as hell. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or not named hell. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's not immediately apparent as being a red light district. But we're not quite there yet. So... Uh, Antlia is revealed to be, uh, Wrath, which is the major sin that is, uh, powering this sector. Um, and so you start just going through, uh, basement level one. It's not too difficult. Um, then, uh, future areas will have multi-level maps. This only has, like, a second level, I believe. Um... And you go to the uh, basement level 2. And you start hitting this uh, mini-boss gauntlet. And going through there. And it's mostly just to pretty much keep you aware of your weaknesses. And give you an opportunity to build up your party. None of them are incredibly difficult. Um, And the map is pretty straightforward. Uh, There's a few maps... um, that will, or there's a few corners that will let you uh, see what's across. There's kind of like a short wall, or it just goes like one or two uh, uh, steps, and you can see across, you can see that there's other items um, on the other end, but you can't actually get to those. And then once you get to the end of Antlia Basement Level 2, you get the final unlock for the area, which is the password word system. And I haven't really messed around with the password system. Does anybody have, like, a quick way of uh, I know
3: that you just have the password. You have the password. Um, if you have the password, you can um, summon the demon using a significant amount of maca. And you get the demon that's set in the password. Because I know Serg has told us that if we are ever stuck, he'll just give us demon passwords to help us get through uh, whatever we're stuck on.
0: Yeah. yeah, I guess it's kind of that's like true. having a street pass feature before there was street pass, yeah. sort of like that, where you could just like, yeah. you know, share your. Yeah, I, I, I think them. uh that's a good point. Actually, SMT4 does kind
2: of incorporate a similar version of this into its street pass functionality.
1: Huh. and if I remember, like sort of like how, um, with the Pokemon games in certain like stores, they would have a special Pokemon you can get if you go to the store on that time. I remember there would be magazines that would publish like special passwords for really cool demons and things like that. So, but, yeah, mostly it was a way to just share demons with your friends.
2: Yeah, uh, I've also got great demons if you guys ever want them. Like, I was hitting this first sector with uh, Tamlin, Silky, and Black
1: Blackfrost as
2: my nice. party. So. Oh,
0: like- nice. I've got the best demons.
1: <laughs> I might have to hit you up for Black Blackfrost at some point.
2: <laughs> uh, I think it's uh, one of the special fusions, but if you want one, yeah. sure. Uh, Like, uh, that's the other thing, is that even if you're on New Game Plus, like, summoning your highest level demons is prohibitively expensive. It's incredibly market-intensive, so... Oh, gotcha. Like, uh, even if you have them available to you, you don't generally want to do that often. And if you're using a password demon, like, it's multiplied or something. Like, it's even more expensive than it would normally be.
1: I guess that kind of makes sense, because otherwise people would just basically use them like cheat codes.
0: Yeah, you would just trivialize the entire game. You keep on going through basement level two and you come across a uh, door, and that's where you're gonna find your first boss, Morax. And he's a minotaur man. Um and he's a pretty badass looking guy. He's uh twice your size and uh, or twice the size of the regular demons, and uh pretty cool character. Um and before this encounter, uh, you're going to have some dialogue choices that help determine your alignment. Um, and in this case, Morax is going to, you know, talk at you about humanity's tendency to kill one another and uh, says that demons can learn to do your job so much better and, uh, you know, presumably take over the planet and take the humans to place. And doesn't that make them the real heroes all along?
2: Oh, um, here's the question. Yeah. <laughs> I assume both races are wrong was the neutral answer.
1: You would think. Yeah, I think the neutral answer is... Um, man, I'm trying to remember.
2: It's here in the notes. It's it's to tell him, like, no, you're wrong.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: Because yeah. if you tell him both races are wrong, he just is like, you suck. You're dumb. Like <laughs> He totally blows you off if you tell him that.
0: Yeah, and if you want to stay neutral, uh, you say, uh, yeah, like Evan said... Uh, uh, neither, um, and if you're chaotic, you tell him that you have a point. Um, and so Morax, you know, he's a pretty simple fight if you're uh, uh, somewhat, if you're a uh, series veteran. Um, but he is designed to teach a few things about the game, and so he will uh, tell you to, uh, or you'll find out that. Uh, you know, you need to check your check out your weaknesses. Um, your highest level armor, which is a survivor armor at this point, uh, has a weakness to fire. Um, it also shows you that fear may make you lose a turn as a lead, but it can also unsummon a demon, uh, making your lead have to resummon them. Now, that is something that I actually haven't come across yet, but...
1: Yeah, that's happened to me a few times, and it's a real pain in the ass. Yeah, I think I think the I think the way it seems to trigger, and I might be wrong, but for me, so far, it's triggered when I try to take a direct action against an enemy while a demon's afraid. So, like as long as I'm healing or or defending, the demon will stay in the party. But if I try to make the demon attack the enemy, that demon will return back to my stock. Right.
2: Yeah, fear can be pretty rough because your main character is the only one who can use items or also refill the party with summoned demons. So he's the only one who's got that option. Mm. Right? Am I remembering that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's
2: right.
1: I I think there are spells you can get later. I don't know if it's this game or SMT4, but there are definitely spells in this series that allow other demons to summon for you.
2: No, you're right. Yeah, there is a a rare-ish spell that's like 40 mana or something that can make a demon summon another
0: demon. So uh, the other thing is that he has uh, no physical resistance, but he's... uh, not weak to gun attacks, but he is susceptible to status effects. So yeah, this is kind of like your first kind of tutorial. It's not really a tutorial, but it is kind of like your first, uh, introduction to boss fights and some of the more, uh, complicated alignment and other sort of, uh, um, uh, sort of like buffing and debuffing and other effects that you will have and your, uh, attacks will have. Um, and once you finish them off, uh, you can then uh, fuse him. You can also earn the Brass Horn Forma, uh, and this is a uh, example of how any uh, sector boss that you kill off will give you material to uh, further develop sub apps. And you also pick up an energy mass, which will allow you to travel in space time to the next sector.
2: I did want to mention, there's one, uh, you do run by one cute side quest in Antlia before you finish out the sector, where, uh, s- uh you run into a Sandman who te- who is just standing out in a random square, and it says, hey, I loaned my bag to another guy, and can you go get it for me? And you have to find a Sandman in a random encounter and talk to him, <laughs> and he will, that fulfills this quest, you bring it back to the guy and get, like, a couple maca, but it's oh, cutie.
3: I had no idea. Know. I couldn't figure out how to solve it.
2: <laughs> yeah, you just you just uh, that's actually how you solve several of the the, random, the of the side quests. You just need mm. to go to the thing they they tell you to talk to that demon. Use the regular talk function in a random encounter, and it'll fulfill the thing.
3: Remember how this is pronounced, and it's not boots.
0: Booooties.
3: Blue, Booties. So otis is our next section, sector B. Um, honestly, the game doesn't accent any of its characters, so for all we know, it's sector boots. I pronounce it as sector <laughs> boots, and I will continue pronouncing it as sector boots. Yeah, um, it's boots. Your first face uh, shift puts you into newly familiar alien territory, a red light district complete with a towering cathedral brothel. This is the sector for Lust. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, I'm thinking ca- now uh, about uh, us that we said that it visually doesn't come across as a red light district. I bet it looked different in the Japanese version.
0: Oh, you think You're so? Sure?
3: Yeah, I mean, it is still a Nintendo 3DS game. There's still some censorship going to go that's going to happen there. You so, know, a mature game? Yeah, definitely. I don't know about that. Really? Yeah. I don't know, I don't know man. Um... But I, This is a 2010 I, game, I don't know. I don't know if they would have changed it. Well, I'm just, just going to just put forth that theory. If anyone knows for sure, let us know. Um, but anyway, at this point you can earn a systems upgrade. You can stock up a whole ten demons in your demonica. Um, I didn't even have eight demons yet, so I seem to be... I, I was up, I'm upgrading faster than my needs dictate in this game, mm. which I find
2: interesting. Yeah, if you're regularly fusing to keep your demons' levels up, then, you know, a lot of times you won't hit that cap. Especially if if you're restricted to what kind of alignment of demons you want
3: to recruit, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, I did kind of want to mention, before you get to this sector, all the characters are kind of annoyed when you get the... Like, when this previous sector ends and... Arthur's is just like we're just kicking the can down on this conflict. We just got to keep doing this, and everyone's like, "Really? This didn't like help us at all. We're just we're just gonna do more of this for a while." And they're all pretty annoyed at that.
3: Yeah, there's another section like very much like that at the end of of boots that's very similar. Um. So anyway, uh, you. Uh, your new mission is to scout out this sector a bit and then you get scouting, find the strike team, uh, and you send out some radar beacons at certain spots to assist in gathering data on the land. Um, I felt like that was a little poorly explained when I played the game because I put down the beacons and I was like, well, I didn't re- even remember the beacons being a thing that I needed, but whatever. It's kind of a forgettable quest, yeah. other than the fact that they look like little Death Stars. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, it, it, you can find a side quest here around here called Killing Time. Um, I didn't play this. It is, are these Sergs
1: notes? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, just just so folks know, um, for the most part, we're going to skip side quests unless they're like super, super interesting. Because most, most of them, them are... are
3: not, like even slightly. Yeah.
1: Mm. There's one in this in boot and there's one in this sector. Uh, I won't pronounce it just yet. There's one in this sector that's awesome. The rest are just kind of shitty. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I do kind of like the one with, um, fuck, I forget the guy's name. The the there's one. The, you can get side quests from the the demon who is uh, like in lore the paymaster of hell. Oh, and that, that's yeah. kind of a that's kind of a fun like flavor mechanics interaction there. I haven't I like seen that yet. He's uh, pretty near the inner entrance of Sector Boots.
3: Oh, he gives you shit money for
1: cheap items, which huh. is awesome.
3: So anyway, so there's this side quest called Killing Time. Serg apparently wanted us to make note of this, so I'll just read his words. I don't know what the hell Den's job is, but he will become your on-board side quest pimp for the rest of the game. And mm-hmm. a few of those quests are just, Hero, I'm bored. Wanna fuck around next to the hatch for a few minutes? No, no, I'm sure we're done with things breaking... The, with the things break in and murder us all, part of the
2: plot. It's cool. I got a guard table. <laughs> I oh, this might be a side quest you get from talking to someone on the ship. I'm not sure if I did this. one.
1: Yeah, this is one of the guys that's in the in the deck as you're getting ready to leave.
2: Oh, that guy.
1: Yeah, Okay, there, right, okay.
2: Th- th- it does become a little
3: ambiguous what any like some. There are some side characters that it's like uh, there's like there's some characters that don't get close up portraits, but they have names and distinct sprites, but most of them have very little personality or distinguishing features.
2: Did Serg put in Demon Nazi Experiment Hell Prison into the notes? Because that's pretty good, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't me. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe I'll just uh, hit him here before so I don't bring it up again. But there's two other relatively interesting side quests. There's one where these uh, three of the, the dis Demon, D-I-S... Ask you to help them destroy the destroy Yggdrasil because it's gone mad and stuff.
3: Okay, so, so that, basically
2: that's that. Yeah, that's a that's a. I want to. What the
3: fuck? Can I ask that? What the hell is that? I, I mean, am, I can, oh, it's
1: awesome. I love. I it. I can just
3: tell
2: you what this is if you don't mind.
3: Well, okay. So is is it better that I don't know? Is it better that I just have this bit of information and wait for it to pay off? <laughs>
1: So, I, I, I figured out what this was when I played through for the first time through. So, like, it's 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 not meant to be, like, some yeah. crazy reveal later.
2: Okay, then no, I don't get it. Okay. Uh, basically what happens is they ask you to fight Yggdrasil. You go there, and Yggdrasil's like, I have the power to stop time. You literally can't – you don't even get in a fight. You just automatically lose. But then, uh, somewhat – while you're lying face down on the ground – Someone else that you don't see shows up and, like, beats him in a fight. And he's like, no, how could this happen? And uh, then you stand back up and the disc demons are like, hey, you did it. Thanks. Thanks for helping us. You know, you've now locked yourself into a time loop. You're destined to win this fight. Thanks for the help. And they, you, like, they teleport you back to the quest giving place and just give you a reward automatically. The, yeah, this, a- this is going to come back as the idea.
1: Yeah, there's well. a couple hints they drop that kind of let you know what's going on. Uh, when when the mysterious person is fighting Yidrasil, Yidrasil goes, wait, my time powers don't affect you. Can you also? Are you also from another time? And then uh-huh. once you're done, all the different dis, uh, I forget what their collective term was, but all the different disses are just like, oh, Yidrasil's back to normal. Thank you so much. Make sure we, we really hope to see you again.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay, like, so pretty obvious sense. Though. So this does
3: come back. That was the payoff I assumed would happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, but it's just it's. it's I, I guess it's just I'm so early. I I, I wasn't sure because it hasn't come back yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's kind of fun. It, it's it's a really neat quest. Yeah,
2: right. Awesome. The other interesting one is uh, further up the up in Sector Boots. You'll run into a guy. He looks like um a, like a little crow in like. Uh, like a dog hunting sort of uniform. Oh, the hunter.
3: Yes. Yeah, yeah,
2: and he'll ask you to like compete with him in a hunting mini game, and you have to like use the hidden enemy search thing to beat enough of these guy uh, enough of like the hidden enemies to uh, to beat him in this thing. It's kind of annoying because like you don't really have a lot of control over that, but you know it's kind of cute flavor, you know. Hmm. Definitely.
3: All right. So uh, where were we at? Lost my notes. Sorry, anyway, so. just no
2: more side quest stuff. My bad.
3: No, it's all good. That was a good. That was a good place to put them all. So anyway, so uh, boots introduces damage floors. They're conveniently labeled on the map uh, with a red, uh, just like a nice red square. Um, <laughs> a a foot searing crimson <laughs> is how it's
2: described <laughs> in the notes, which is a good way to put it. Um, oh, I did have a point. These are kind of annoying if you are on new game plus because I'm not uh you probably noticed they do proportional damage of a demon's health. Oh. So even if you have mm. demons with like 600 health, they're going to deal a quite a bit of damage so, to their health bars. So it's always going to
3: be like tw- like 15% or whatever. Yeah, is. this
2: is a this is a scaling threat. It never like gets less threatening. That's so that's why
0: that's why they kept on fucking my shit up. I kept on being like I should be higher level. Like I should be getting better at handling these things. And yeah. Okay. That explains that. You, is know, it's at.
2: you can kind of mitigate it by dismissing your demons, but that's like a, a time tax on going into the interface every time. And the the way boots is
3: laid out as a dungeon, uh, at least the first floor, there are a lot of one way doors. So there's a, there are ways to skip most of the more egregious sections of the damage floor. Uh, but it does require going through, like, one-way doors, so you're kind of locking yourself into a certain direction for a while. Um, So then uh, your next major mission is to locate Crewman Norris, who's gone crazy. Uh, You run into him, and he just sort of goes, ha, 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 and runs away, and um, he uh, flings off his clothes and runs into the fuck palace. So uh, <laughs> the other thing we didn't mention is there's a fuck palace going on. Uh, there's a, you find it and like the scenery changes immediately. There's all the walls are turned into like windows with like sexy curtains. Like those, uh, (laughs) what do you call them? (laughs) Like you can see through them, but they're different colors, but like, it's mostly silhouettes when you see bodies and like, there's, there's things going on behind them. Not that you can really make out what's happening, but it's very, um, suggestive what they are. Yep. So, um, we, uh, Arthur basically tells you, you you guys don't have enough people, you have to rescue Norris, because there's just so few of you guys. Um, then, uh, in this second half of the dungeon, we're introduced, uh, to, um, to pits that drop you down to a floor below. Um, and, uh, for the most part, you get a lot of warnings written on the floor that tell you to take the long road. So it's kind of your job to figure out, okay, there's two paths here. One of these is going to be longer, and the other is going to be shorter. So I have to use my smarts without seeing the entire map and guess which one is going to be the safe path. And you know, it's it's the least uh, egregious version of the floor
2: trap thing that they've done so far. Yeah, the problem is, is if you have an obsessive compulsive tick to fill in the entire map. Oh, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it bothers yeah. me a ton. Yeah, yeah, you too. you have to walk onto these. <laughs> mm. I just, I just,
3: I pretend they're not there. I just move on with my life. I can't. Okay. So, uh, you, uh, yeah, let's see here. So, uh, we eventually get kidnapped by an invisible demon. Uh, he throws a net over you and you get hauled to a jail cell in floor four. At this point, you find, uh, Zelenin here in the jail cell. She is now the lone survivor of the Elve as the rest have all disappeared. And she's also your cellmate. Uh, she's, uh, very weary about you now that you've been summoning demons. It, uh, it really squicks her out that you would cooperate with them. And, uh, basically being held captive captive by Demon Nazi Experiment Hell Prison has, uh, kind of ruined her opinion on demons. And that makes sense. There's that phrase that you pointed out earlier, Chris. Uh, (laughs) I hope I did the delivery effectively. Mm -hmm. She,
2: (laughs) uh, she, uh... So Sorry, there's like but, a there's ahead. a line of dialogue in here where just when Zelenin's talking to you, it gives you it says like you calm Zelenin down. It's like you're treating her like she's overreacting to something and you're like calming down this like hysterical woman, which is like a little weird because she's reacting very proportionally to what is happening. <laughs>
0: yeah, you would think, right? Um should we just mention that uh, the demon Nazi hell prison? Uh, what we mean by that <laughs> is that I'm,
2: we're almost there. We're
3: almost oh, we're, there. Okay, I, I really like, like that there, reveal, sorry. so give, oh, okay. give it just a second. All right. Um, sorry about that. Well, actually, I think you have to come back before we find that out because you get out uh, not with the help of you find a you find a, you find a gate search. You find a secret door, and then uh, they the guards annoyed at you, grab you, and drag you to eight F. To meet with Mitra, and Mitra basically is like, I have had enough of you. Uh, he offers you a proposal that you're supposed to bathe your ship. Anyone who joins him can become a citizen of Fuck Palace, and uh, mm-hmm. when the Schwarzwald consumes the Earth, uh, but um, you know if they if you oppose him, everything will be terrible, and he'll kill you and destroy you and experiment on you. So your choice, crewmen of Earth ship.
1: <laughs> yeah and dur- during this whole scene he's surrounded by other crew that are of other ships that are just dead silent they're not talking they're not responding and you can actually see behind him like hung up like this really great art installation are these like slabs of canvas with just like nude men strapped to them
3: so and the, but the, so I would like to point out the way the game presents this is, is if, as if he is a demon who summons humans like the opposite of the standard SMT hero which I just found endlessly amusing
0: <laughs>
2: oh, I didn't pick up on that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Just a nice little inversion. His design is kind of interesting. It's like a guy, it's like the top half of a guy sitting on top of a like a rock with the zodiac symbols all over it. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's really good. It's pretty intimidating, especially compared to Morax who looked pretty normalish.
3: And much like um and much like the fucking uh mall palace in persona one you're shunted back to the exit and told to do it again
1: <laughs> yeah this is a dungeon with a large amount of backtracking so uh yeah like once you go back to the exit you're basically dropped uh, right outside your ship and um to nobody's surprise uh, nobody actually wants to join the demons uh so with the information you have and the people you have left you you decide that basically we can't afford to leave people behind like our manpower is too short uh we don't have a diverse enough. Uh, set of skills and a crew, we have to rescue Zelenin because we need a science officer. So with uh, everybody in tow, uh, you devise a plan. Uh, Mitra gave you, like, okay, so this makes no sense, but uh, Mitra gave you a luxury bell as like a parting gift, like a party favor. It doesn't really explain what the luxury bell does, but you give it to uh, Crewman Jimenez immediately, uh, Jimenez immediately. And basically the plan is he's going to sneak in with the luxury bell. Somehow that's going to confuse the demons and force them out of the sex dungeon and the or the fuck palace. And then all the soldiers are going to start killing the demons outside the fuck palace. <laughs> and with the fuck palace empty, you're going to go in, infiltrate it, rescue Zelenin, and get the hell out. So- I, I
2: think the idea is supposed to be – like a, one of the demons in here is Bifrons, which is like a butler-type demon. I think when I interpreted that with the luxury bell, is it's like a butler bell that you ring it and like they're supposed to come like help you with something. And they say they're going to help oh. take you back up to the boss. So I assume the idea is he just rings it and then shoots whoever shows up.
1: That makes just way came. more sense. I, I, for some reason, I pictured it as like a like you know those cat bells that cats like have on their collar that so you let know where they're coming.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was picturing
1: yeah. like one of those, but also a disco ball. <laughs> I don't I don't know why, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but so basically the plan is uh, you empty out the dungeon, you get all the guards to go away, and then you go in to rescue uh, rescue Zelenin. Uh, unfortunately, there's still that invisible demon hanging out in the hallway. Uh, he figured that with something going on that you were going to try to come back and uh, break her out. So uh, you get subdued, you get restrained, and you get put into prison with her. And then after uh, some poking around for a little bit, uh, they basically decide, like, you know what, we gave you an offer. We told you you could join us. You didn't join us, so fuck you. Kid gloves are off. We're now like we're we're going to start experimenting on you. Uh, so there's this thing called the blood of a madman, uh, where they they pull N- Norse is in the cell next to you. They pull the helmet of his demonica off, and they just dump this mad blood all over him, and uh, he turns green and turns hostile, and you kill him in like two or three turns, and he's he's technically a sub boss, but he's like hilariously easy. Yeah. Uh, once he dies, though, he drops uh, some sort of physical stone or object. Uh, it doesn't really explain what it is, but the demons are super interested in it because they didn't want him to turn into a monster, but they are really excited that something came out of him once he did. Uh, so you're now left alone uh, to walk through the uh, two cells using the secret passage that you found earlier. And um, after you after you basically look at every single square of the map, uh, there's uh, dead bodies all over the place. You, know, you can actually see... Um, crewmen strapped to the walls uh, with their demonicas and everything. But um, yeah, so a literal divine deus ex machina happens (laughs) and uh, Mastema, the Lord's messenger, uh, who uh, Serg described as looking like he had a mask that looks like the bandages one gets when their nose is violently broken. And that's a pretty good (laughs) – Yeah, it's basically like a brace for his head. Uh, But he is a pale-skinned angel with black hair, uh, and good old angel wings, the halo, the whole nine yards. And he tells you that while he is a powerful angel, he is in the middle of a place of evil and there's only so much he can do. So he just starts punching a hole in the floor. Uh, Zelanin is obviously reluctant to trust him, but like she takes to him more than she does any of the other demons in some, you know, mild foreshadowing. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, he punches a hole in the floor. You follow him down, uh. On your way out of the dungeon, but then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you get a little boss fight. Uh, Spirit Macab, a um, pretty easy boss. Uh, he only has physical attacks, uh, but he poisons the entire party. Uh, if, I really if,
2: like the design on Ma- Macabre Has like one of my favorite demon designs, probably. I really like this one. Is it? Oh, is, I thought it was Reaper Macab too, wasn't it?
1: It might be. I don't. I don't actually remember off the top of my head. But because uh, he's
2: like a he's like a dancing he's like a I don't know. Yeah, he's like a dancing-themed Grim Reaper-type character. He's got a pretty good design.
1: Yeah, he's really cool. Uh, But basically, he catches you. Like, he knew something was up once the place emptied out, and he tries to kill you before you head out of there. Um, The one thing that does make this fight a little bit easier, because if your entire party is poisoned, they're probably going to take damage every time they act for about a quarter of their HP with um, uh, where their stats will be at this point. But if you manage to do the Yidrasil quest, you'll have that ring that makes you immune to poison, which makes this a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically yep. you just nuke him down and then you get a um, a new forma called the Chisato mirror and kind of a nod back to Persona 1. And even, even though there's no explicit connection, it's kind of like a little nod back to that. Uh, Chisato being the person who um, was getting black uh, warts all over her face every time she made a wish with her mirror.
2: Huh. Yeah, it's right. also not super important, but you can fight this... You can do this fight a little early. After you get into the main area of the, the fuck palace, like, anytime you come back out into the lobby, you just do this fight. You don't, like, have to do it after all this other stuff.
1: Oh, cool. Uh, so, yeah, with the shadow Mirror, once you get back to your ship, uh, you unlock a new main app function. It uh, is the Enemy Search. Uh, sort of like with the former search, where you can find uh, rare materials kind of laying out on the map, the Enemy Search allows you, you to see... Um, formerly invisible enemies scattered around the area. Uh, Some of these are just more, kind of like we talked about earlier, some of these are um, EXP pinatas. Some of them give no EXP but drop rare items, allow you to make more powerful items. Uh, In this case, you actually need it in order to find some, uh, well, presumably it'll allow you to chase down that invisible demon. So uh, once you get that item, you get sent back out and told, okay, for real though, we have to take down the leader of this sector.
3: So all the way up to floor four. Got get the enemy search, you get out to the outside of the prison, you go to the where the demon is, and he goes tee-hee-hee, and then you're like, oh, but I can see you, and he's like, impossible. And then you fight him, and it's a giant fat goat man. It's pretty great. <laughs> I, actually, I actually ended up fusing
2: him before I ran into him in the wild, oddly enough. Um, yeah, the, the SMT version of the Formorian's a little... A little weird. I, I'd run into them in another story context before, and that interpretation of Fomorians was like giant rock men, essentially, <laughs> rather than, like, fat goat guys. I so, love you know. fat goat guys, though. They're from Irish
0: folklore.
3: Um, so, uh, you uh, make your way back to 4F and kill him, and then it's uh, also technically a mini-boss. Again, you go real. it goes real quick. Uh, go back on the elevator, or, or turn on the elevator. Is what you got to do next, and that's just a switch down at the end of the hall. Um, I'm also not sure if we mentioned this, but there are save points out in the dungeon. Uh, at the save points, you can save or you can return back to the starting area and just go back to your base.
0: Uh, and, and we there... mentioned the
3: terminals earlier. Oh, did we? Do we also must mention the healing points?
2: I don't. We think did so. not bring up the healing points? Is it no, also I'm there?'s like a yeah. healing
3: points just costs a, like a, a maca charge? I assume relative to the amount of healing that needs to be done. And you I just think
2: hit. It's, it's specifically one Maka per SP and three HP per Maka, okay. I think is the rate. It's pretty reasonable. It's, a, it's
3: I've never felt like it was an unreasonable ask. Yeah, it's pretty cheap. Um, so, you got, so now you got to take the elevator up to floor four, where you meet up with Jimenez. He can hear something happening in a nearby room and is glad to have backup. The two of you bust down the door and discover uh, a Bifronz, torturing a class of demon you've never seen before. Jimenez does not take kindly to this and murders Bifron's. Turns out the unknown demon is a bugaboo. It seems to be made in some part of uh, human DNA, some part demon DNA. The demons were experimenting to create hybrid test tube demons. Jimenez loves the little guy. He's just adorable. Uh, Visually, the bugaboo think like traditional red devil kind of thing but wearing a mask to cover its real face.
1: <laughs> it looks really cute, too. Yeah.
2: It is cute. I've often wondered if you can get one of these, because I've, I've not been able to do that on either of my playthroughs. And uh, I want one. Yeah, I
3: don't know. It's a good question.
0: Uh, Belying some of the uh, cuteness, he has a uh, pretty large uh, crotchel area as well. So Yeah. He's
3: very human-esque in a weird way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he's so now you still kind of like uh, <laughs> yeah. sorry, he's kind of a takeoff on the uh, design in previous games that was inspired by uh, Yukio Mishima. Um, uh-huh. I can't remember what demon that was, but I think it was an SMT two, but it's kind of rep- reminiscent of that. Anyway, sorry.
3: Now at this point, you still got like another half of the dungeon to explore, so you explore floors five through eight, and um, here is the big twist on these guys: you got to through clues figure out that Mieter has a hidden palace, or you've been there, it's on floor 8, that's where you gotta go, but you, there's not an obvious path, so you have to find a hidden door. You find out that the door is on floor, I believe, 7, when you're on floor 8, there's a janitor
2: who would tell you, oh, I have to be one floor down to yeah. get there. And then yeah. that The guy who... I'm sorry, the guy who gives you the hint is like... In the area closest to where you would naturally go if you were just trying to walk there. Yes. So they're pretty they're pretty nice with this hint really.
3: I missed it. I missed this hint entirely. So, oh man, I'm sorry. Yeah, it no, was a bummer like a for dick. me. Paul, you also had trouble figuring this out too, right? Oh
0: god, it took me so long.
2: Oh, now I feel like a huge dick, sorry.
0: <laughs> no, walk around walk around in circles being like, Why can't I yeah, why can't I find this guy? I mean, these are the kind of things that always fuck me up in
3: RPGs is when they try to do a puzzle and they think their their clues are obvious and I miss it. Every single time.
0: Well, I mean, maybe this is just like a sign of like my general intelligence, but I even saw the clue and it just like did not like it just didn't register in my brain. I was like I mean <laughs> Oh, what, what the hell does that mean? Oh uh, I don't good know. Point, Someone good can't point. find this boss. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um so uh so you get to through you find the secret door you go through floor seven find the secret door
2: and you go hold up to on, Mitra wait 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 before we get to the boss we can't skip the best flavor bit in the whole game we've run into so far oh
3: you're right we did we, we did we actually didn't we skipped the entire it's not even in the notes so somewhere in here um you actually go and rescue Zelenin after you beat the invisible enemy on floor four uh you open up the door and you see. The dead bodies of the people the demons have experimented on, and they're they, you're, the descriptions read uh, as if they're log reports from the demons. With this demon, with this human, we tested to see if they uh, needed oxygen. It turns out they do. We did such a good thing. What a good thing we demons have done! Yeah, it's uh, but but now he won't need anything ever again. What a good thing we do! <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> and like each each of the humans have like we like we we sucked all the we sucked all the liquid out of this human. Turns out they need blood. Like it was, it's all things. Like demons are just trying to figure out what how do humans work exactly? Yeah, and it's but really, now he
2: won't. I think the blood one is now he won't feel pain ever again. Yeah, what
3: a good thing. Yeah, and there is always a, an adorable little ironic justification, and it's it's like it's so creepily inhuman. I love it hmm it's real good yeah that is my favorite bit of the game so far so anyway then you capture z lennon um and then the whole bugaboo bit uh freaks her out um she uh, like is like why is he hanging out with that thing that's so gross and then she refuses like you give her a demonica and she like the demon summoning program and she just never touches it okay did did we cover that whole thing uh, you just mentioned that you liked it, so I wanted to make sure we hit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's you no, know, you, you were right. I would have been mad if we got to the end and I forgot about it. <laughs> um, so in the so you get to Mitra, it's a boss. He's got a lot of resistances. You can hit him with wind. I think at this point I had a gun that had a wind shot. Yeah, and um, he has very powerful AOE ice spells, uh, which a lot of two of my demons were weak to ice, so that wasn't very fun.
1: Yeah, I actually went uh, went into this fight after the first time, and basically had it like. I want to fuse a custom party that is specifically tailored to this boss, which is, it's a thing you have to do in a lot of SMT games, but it was the first time I had to do that in this game, and basically that was just I, I ground until I could summon High Pixie, who is a, uh, I think one of the first special fusions you can do.
3: Wow, nice! I I had, I had that summoned a, bit a higher level.
2: I had summoned Morax through uh, special fusion at this point already too. I don't I don't think we ever mentioned how special fusion works. All you need to do is like if you've registered all the component demons, the result demon will light up as like a special fusion option. Like you've no you'll know what it is that you can do it and as it, soon as you've registered all the components. And it costs like three demons. Yeah. yeah I think either. some are two, but It can be up to five, I think.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's always different. And the the cool thing is, like, it won't tell you what demons you need if you haven't discovered the demon before, but it'll tell you what family they are and what um, level they are. That way you can kind of, like, work out, okay, well, if I summon this demon of this level, oh, this is the one that that I need for this summon. So, like, it gives you all the tools without telling you explicitly what the formula is.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it's always, like, a surprise when you get the thing. Like, it's still, it's a good system. I like it. Yeah, it is good.
3: Uh, So then uh, Mitra's other annoying attack is Waking Dream, which hits everybody, and it might uh, cause Strain, which makes uh, everybody lose MP for a round, and I think it also means you can't attack with them. And Light of Order, I don't think I ever actually got him to cast.
1: Yeah, it's basically like um, a more powerful hammer skill. Ah. Yeah, the light
2: damage. That's rough. Yeah. I think you can attack with Strain. I think Strain is just an MP version of Poison. Yeah, it's very similar.
3: Maybe you're right. It, yeah, it, maybe. I've, I've already forgotten the details. But anyway, so you finish Mitra off. It feels I feel like this one is... Uh, you still usually don't have too many of your, your buff spells yet. So it's still a little bit of just of an attrition war, and eventually you'll win. Um, mm-hmm. Finishing off, Mitra will leave you with the Stone Fragment Rare Forma and a Rosetta... A Rosetta Boo?
1: Yeah, I wasn't sure what that meant. I uh, think it's Rosetta okay. Boo it is... Uh, yeah, yeah, we
2: we didn't bring this up, but like the energy thing you got, you get for beating the main boss is like a Rosetta manifold or something like that. Okay, I think I think whoever meant, took these notes just meant the Rosetta thing for Sector Boots. What does Rosetta do? I don't. It's the thing that I'm, it's the thing that you need to put in the computer in order to get through. Oh, to, the, to the it's next like unlock the key. Okay.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: Okay, so the former will turn into new sub apps when delivered to the lab, and the latter, oh, there we go. It, you can fly it to the next episode, and uh. That's part one of Strange Journey. That's the first two sectors. Do we have any yeah. parting thoughts for today?
1: This game is awesome. Yeah, I absolutely love this game.
3: Yeah, I was talking with Evan off Mike about this, but it's like it's it's so not a contest how good this game is compared to everything else we've covered to the pod on the podcast so far. Every element yeah, even, works together.
1: Mm-hmm. Even not compared to the other games on the podcast. like, yeah, this is a great game compared to everything else we covered. But like, honestly, like coming back to it a second time after I know this series a little bit better, like this is easily one of my favorite games in the entire Megaton series. Yeah, oh, it's, it is, it's it's a good it's game. Qualified recommendation.
3: Like, I'm not far enough to give it a, an official ranking yet, but I'm I'm very much into
2: it in a way that I wasn't into the previous games that we've played. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even yeah. just – even in its whole genre of, like, dungeon crawl JRPGs, like, this
0: is a very strong entry. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. Um, so, yeah, if you want to uh, rate and review us on iTunes, that would be an awesome thing, a great thing that you could do. Uh, also, uh, you can like us on Facebook uh, or Twitter, Mega Ten Marathon on both. And, um, yeah, just spread the word. Let people know, uh, that we are, that we are, <laughs> just spread the we word. Are a and let people know that we are a podcast that exists in the world. And if they are into Shin Megami Tensei or Persona, they should give us a listen. And I think that's it Oh, all uh, plugs. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, there is one other plug.
1: Um, now that we've got this locked in, I guess we can start kind of promoting it now because uh yeah, yeah don't the say, don't say the time oh.
3: just, just say the weekend
1: yeah so the weekend of the 17th 18th and 19th of march uh we're going to be participating in the um the ducks duck spring it's a uh three-day live uh, four-day live stream that um benefits the transactive gender center of portland oregon it is a thing put on by the uh community of the Duckfeed tv network uh, that we're all from and uh, yeah, so if you want to join us, we're going to be doing a Mystery Science Theater 3000 style uh, <laughs> video stream of the Japanese translation of Persona 1. And uh, a few a few of us on the podcast, uh, myself and uh, Brian, are also going to be streaming separately. But uh, there's going to be a lot of great folks uh, streaming some awesome games, having a good time, and uh, you know, helping some kids that absolutely need it right now.
3: All right. So it's been wonderful, guys. Um, You know, this all reminded me of a story. It's really weird. Well, you know, one time uh, for my birthday, I looked uh, into the closet, you know, before it was actually my birthday, so I could see the presents. I just like to look at them, touch them, poke them a little bit. And, you know, I would do this about once a day until one time I opened the closet and it was just an infinite black void. And I asked my mom, Mother, why is there an infinite black void in your closet? And, you know, she put down her book, put down her glasses, looked me in the eye and told me,
0: Life he. Life ho, he ho, is not fair.